Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Sunday edition. A few minutes late, but that's because we tried something new and not quite there, but we're going to get it eventually. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting to you from the uh, WBCA NABC studios. That's what I was trying to say. Presented by D3Hoops.com. We are Hoopsville, and we thank you for tuning in. Um, looking forward to a, a most likely top-notch show tonight. <laughs> I don't expect why it would be any otherwise, right? Um, if you got questions for us anytime during the show, whether it be for our guests or for us or for our top 25 combo, whatever it needs to be, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, you can, the email address again is Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, we don't get a lot of emails. I'm hoping maybe that changes. Even if one of you just wants to test it and make sure it works. Because when I don't get emails, I get worried it's not working like last year when we went several weeks not knowing it wasn't working. So uh, let us know if it works. If not, you can always use my email address, dave.mcue at d3sports.com. Notice it's d3sports.com, not d3hoops. The Hoopsville one is d3hoops. If you're following at home, there will be a quiz later. Um, <laughs> uh, how, are you enjoying the d3hoops basketball season? Because I'll say this much. It won't stop. It is going to continue to be wackadoodle the rest of the way, clearly. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this anymore, uh, to be blunt. Uh, I was expecting a, a heck of a season. I was not expecting it to be easy. I was not expecting this to be uh, anything along the lines of um, not what we hadn't seen the last few years. But this has gotten ridiculous. It's absolutely gotten ridiculous sorry i'm playing with our audio uh setup i apologize for anybody out there who's like oh my audio's all over the place i'm trying to find out we were playing with it earlier today to get a, a sweet spot and anyway long story short just playing with it um so the men's and women and women's side I, I, there's there's a ton of losses on the women's side we're gonna have to talk about tonight and and i agree with some who've tweeted already there's gonna need to be a shakeup on the women's side of things it it's insane um on the men's side of things, we've gotten used to it, certainly. That's par for the course. But I think even on the men's side, it you know, we don't have as many losses as we're technically used to. But they're sprinkled throughout. And, of course, all those receiving votes have taken hits, or nearly all of them. So it, so here's how that plays out. If 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 I'm a top 20, well, I am a top 25 voter. If I, I go in, I've got a watch list, and I've got the teams I voted for. And everybody who's received votes means somebody, at least one person's voted for those teams. If everybody in the top 25, or nearly everybody, and every, nearly everybody in the, in the receiving votes category has, has lost, it means everybody's ballot has got big question marks in it. And most likely, we can extrapolate that on beyond that, that those of us with watch lists, I've got somewhere between 10 and 20 schools on my watch list, there's probably losses in there too. And if there aren't, we then vote for them, and then there's now losses because they later lose. And what's crazier is what happened this week as the NESCAC finally got its conference schedule rolling. Middlebury, I listen, I wasn't at all surprised that they couldn't get through the weekend unscathed. It was Amherst and Hamilton. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you right now that that's some. If Middlebury gone two and zero in that, I think they solidify themselves in the top five, and they become a huge favorite across the country. But they lost to Amherst, 
8169 at at Lafrac and then go to Hamilton and have to use free throws to win it. Okay. We said it was going to be tough. We'll learn more about it later. But it's what happened to Amherst is is what drives most of us voters crazy because we think we figured it out. So they lose to Wesleyan earlier in the week, 79-77 on the road. They then defeat Middlebury at home, 81-69, big win. They're now you know 9 and 3 or, or 10 and 3. But then they lose to Williams, 72-69. What am I supposed to do with that? So Amherst is sitting in the 15 hole. They lose to Wesley and they beat Middlebury and they lose to Williams. So they can beat everybody and lose to everybody. But that's also a microcosm of what this season's about for so many teams. Look at Swarthmore, top team in the country, undefeated at 13 in a row. They're one of what? Three teams left that are undefeated? Uh, themselves, Wittenberg and, and Colby. They beat Muhlenberg 85-74, the game I don't even think was that close. And FNM, they beat 68-53 and. I'd argue maybe it wasn't that close. But remember, we're coming off of a week, or, or at least a week and a half, where they had a bunch of results of three-point games. You also go down and look at Johns Hopkins at 16. They defeat J Dickinson earlier in the week, 78-62. They were down 19 points to Washington College on Saturday. Had to rally from behind, avoid a layup at the buzzer by the Shoreman to get overtime. Shoreman would have hit that they win, but the Shoreman miss it. They go to overtime, and Hopkins survives 86-83. Now, I've always said Washington College is one of the toughest plays for whatever reason centennial teams play. I don't understand why. I was talking to somebody um, this weekend about that. He thought it was rather surprising for me to say that. He said, you know, I saw Christopher Newport play, blah, blah, blah. I, I get that, but for some reason, it's the kryptonite for so many centennial teams. So I'm not surprised it was a close game, but Hopkins was down by 6, 19 by some accounts, 18 by others. I didn't actually look at the box score. So it, it just, I wasn't looking at the box score because I was watching it with this individual on live stats. Um, it, it, you just get these crazy results. On the women's side, you know, Gustavus Adolphus goes and smokes St. Mary's 82-65, loses to Bethel 74-58. Listen, I expected a tight game with Bethel, but not losing 74-58. Bethel had a tight game with Augsburg. Remember, this is the Augsburg team that struggled last week, right? I might have that wrong. They're in 11th, so I could have that wrong. It just, you, you, boom, boom, you put your head through a wall. Let's quickly talk about who we got ahead tonight on the show. We're going to start with women's basketball. We're going to talk to Rowan women's basketball. I will prep for this now. If you haven't figured this out, by the way, every single guest we have on the show lost this weekend but with parody that's it's it's chances that, that was going to happen but rama uh, rowan women's basketball will be on the show took their first loss in conference play they're now in a three-way tie in the top of the end jack that does not include montclair state we will talk to their alum interim head coach demetrius poles about the profs what is going on how has he got them clicking so well in what is a topsy-turvy end jack race on the women's side. It's also on the men's side, but especially on the women's side where Montclair has dominated for so many years. Then we'll talk to Wisconsin uh, lacrosse's, Wisconsin lacrosse's women's basketball coach, Karen Middleton, will be on the show. They're on top of the, or somewhat on top of the WIAC race. They have a game with Whitewater coming up this weekend, and it was going to be against two teams tied at the top of the bracket, but they lost to Stevens Point. And Stevens Point is, you know, and Shirley Egner's 
one of the best coaches in Division Three, and certainly one of the deans of Division Three basketball. But I don't think anyone would say that Shirley had one of the uh, a world beater this year. But they got they got lacrosse. And then we'll talk to Middlebury. Jeff Brown will come on the show, talk about his Panthers and what exactly we make of their week, a dominating win over a Plattsburgh State team that no one should at all have on the same level as last year, certainly, but a a solid win there, a loss to Amherst, and then a squeaker against Hamilton. And what do we make of the rest of the uh, the NESCAC? He'll be on the show to talk to us all about that. And we'll have Bob Quillman and uh, Ryan Scott on the show. They'll talk as we do our top 25. Admittedly, have not done as much homework as I should have. I always never do as much homework on our debatable and deep dive and et cetera teams. But I will find somebody. I've got some ideas on some of those. But we will talk. We'll also take some of your questions. As some of you have sent us questions, we tweeted out a way of doing that. We will make sure that you can... Uh, We'll get some of those questions that we got back from you. One of them is WIAC-based and some of those others. Excuse me, my glasses are bugging me. They're new, and I think they're a little little out of whack. I know you're all tuned into the show. I see, oh, hello, Aunt BJ. (laughs) She says, uh, hi, David. I've been bragging to you about how great your show is to the trainers at our gym. Aunt BJ, is there something more you should be telling me? Um, she says, what do I tell them about the best ways to tune in? Well, that's a good question because I can do it as a nice little tease here. You can always log on to d3hoopsville.com. We always put the current show up there in the top window. Um, we'll also have links at the very, uh, right below that window, we'll have links to the latest show so they can always tune in. We're on the air Sundays and Thursdays, seven o'clock Eastern time, uh, for at least two hours. They can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, which is where you're following me at BJ. And you can watch this live simulcast show there. You can also follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville, where we simulcast the show. But the info at the bottom of the screen is probably your best bet. Twitter at D3Hoopsville. Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. There's where we promote an Instagram as well, by the way, at D3Hoopsville. There's where we promote the show. And so if they follow there, they'll get links to the show, and then they can click on them to get to the show when we air it live, or they can get to it to watch or listen to a former show. We are on almost every single podcast outlet that I am familiar with that is easy to do. If you didn't see the D3 boards today where we promoted the show, there's a bunch of new icons. So we're on Google, we're on um, um, Apple, we're on SoundCloud, which is our home base. We're also on a whole mess of others. And I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I I literally have just forgotten all the other ones. Give me a second, I'm going to go... Check this. Oh, I was trying to get into the uh, D3 boards, and it logged me out. Uh, Let's see. Here's the other one. So here we go. So I just put this up today. I updated it. So we're on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We are on CastBox. We're on, um, what is this, Radio, Radio Public. We're on Radio Public. We're also on TuneIn, and we have others we're adding. So we're on like a half a dozen to a whatever, a number of, uh, of uh, podcast locations. And those aren't live. Those are, those are after the fact. And uh, at least eight that I can count. And so however you listen to your podcast, look up Hoopsville, and you'll be able to download the show when it's live. So there you go. Um, Martina says hello. Hello, Martina. Brian Fortman tuned in. Hello, sir. Old college classmate of mine. 
Uh, Travis John says, Augustana racking up losses, tough schedule, but still. Uh, team to uh, You're right. I don't think a lot of people have a ton of stock in Augustana on the men's side. Uh, they're not in the top 25. Were they even receiving votes last week? Yeah, they were. They were getting 15 votes, so some were still holding on. But a loss to Elmers, and they played Milliken today. I don't have it updated here. I need to go get it updated. Listen, I'm not surprised Augustana is losing a number of games this year. They, they went through, what, a five-year period there winning the conference with some awesome talent. They still have good talent there. But every team in Division Three is going to take a little bit of a lull, no matter how good you are. Even Amherst has gone through this. We've certainly seen it from others. You're going to hit a little bit of a speed bump. Augustana's hit that. In the meantime, North Central and others like Elmhurst. Elmhurst is absolutely insane. You're going to get them rising to the top. And I, no surprise to Augustana. I, listen, if Augustana misses the NCAA tournament, I'm not going to be shocked. And it's not a knock on them. It's not a coach, G Gray Giovanni, on what he's doing there. They're, they're a tremendously good team. They're a tremendously good program. But you'd get these little bumps in the road, and it, and it happens. Uh, it says, uh, team to look out for is St. Joseph's. Calhoun has team playing really well. We all know they stand when they play Albertus Magnus, though. Well, I, I'm keeping an eye on on that. By the way, hats off to Calhoun on winning his 900th total game. Um, certainly not all in Division Three. That'd be a record or something. Um, but congratulations to them. They are playing well. Keeping an eye on them. I think some of the early season stuff, I, I wanted to take pause. Uh, there were players who didn't come back. He's still trying to figure out a brand-new program. The players are still trying to figure out that brand-new program. The school's still trying to figure out that brand-new program. There was some ugliness at the beginning of the year with a lawsuit. I just wanted to stay clear. Let's see how the season progressed, and, and that's how we've gotten here. But you're right. They're playing well. Albertus Magnus, though, is right now the bellwether in that conference. Once again, it looks like they've got a program that's going to compete. I'm not surprised it jumped, they jumped into the top 25, though ironically they were idle this week. They're 11-1. and one. I've got them on. I don't think I put them on my top 25, if memory serves. I don't have it in front of me, weirdly enough, or maybe I do. Hold on. Uh, which week is that? Nope, that's not it. Um, they were on my watch list at the very least. They may have gotten into my ballot. I, that GNAC race is going to be fun to watch. Jo Johnson and Wales could also still be in the mix there as well. Uh, Andrew says, do you think Albion will be in the top 25? I mean, possibly. Listen, I think at this point, one of the biggest challenges you've got to deal with when it comes to the top 25 is simply that we now have, with so many more losses, not only are voters looking for more teams maybe that they're missing, and that's certainly possible. They may start looking around. The other option is that they're going to throw things in the air and try and figure out where they fall. Albion 11-2, and two, certainly having a great season. The win over Hope by 14. I, I said it on the last show. I'm not all in on a Hope. And I think Albion's kind of showing why. Now beating also Calvin and Hope in back-to-back -back games significantly. Jody May's got his team clicking. And, and we will be talking to them soon. But remember the tragedy that hit them. I think they responded to that tragedy in ways no one could imagine. And it's fueling them. you got to also look back. They beat Marietta in mid-December, 96-70. I'm sorry, they lost to them. And they also lost to Mount Union. I think that will be on voters' minds. However... What they are currently doing is certainly impressive. This is a program that not that long ago was nine and sixteen. You know, it was what two seasons ago they were nine and sixteen. Jody May certainly's got a program that's responding. I'm impressed. 
The only question I think voters are going to have, 19 and 9 last year certainly, is is it be is their success a staple of the of the conference being a step back? Hope not being as good, Halvin not being as good, et cetera. There's a vacuum at the top of that conference. Is that why they're as good? But then you got to look at the win over Ohio Western. You got to look at the win over DePaul. You got to look at the win over Baldwin Wallace and Otterbein and Kelp and Calvin. I think there's a bigger story there. I think Albion's got a chance. Uh, I'm double checking if they even had any votes because if they didn't have any votes, then they're going to be jumping in out of nowhere. They don't. That'd be the only challenge. Only because there's, I mean, there's teams like Virginia Wesleyan are 12 and two. Pomona Pitzer's 11 and two. St. Norbert's 11 and two. Uh, Hamilton and eh, the loss to Middlebury will probably still keep them out of there. Yeshiva's 12 and one while not playing right now. They may not get votes, but they certainly deserve it. Tufts is 11 and two. Um, Center is 13 and two. I know I'm still voting for them. Hobart's 11 and one. These are just teams with similar resumes on the on the on the simplistic side of it. East Bank, Texas Baptist at eleven and two, Widener at eleven and two, just some teams who have similar numbers as Albion. So, you know, how much do the voters like just punt on their votes and, and bring a bunch of new teams in? I don't know, and I, I don't think that means Albion will just jump in. The other thing too is, you know, how how much are the are, are voters on top of what's going on at Albion? And and to be honest. A lot of them are, but it doesn't mean everybody's aware, and it also doesn't mean everybody reads the same tea leaves. What I see doesn't mean what everybody else sees, or anybody else sees, for that matter. So maybe. We'll see if... I don't know, Andrew. I think it's a good question. We'll see. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things rolling. Rowan's women's basketball coach will join us. You talk about the Rowan, the top 25 in women's basketball. It's crazy, too. And Jack doesn't have a representative right now. Montclair has been the, the bellwether for the last few years. But Rowan has shown that, well, they ain't too shabby themselves. You know, what do we make of all that? Well, I'm not sure totally what we make of all that, but I'm certainly interested to find out. We will talk to them when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Sunday evening, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to communicate with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Another comment made in there about uh, SUNY Potsdam knocking off Brockport being impressive. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, the SUNY Act's going to be just as, as crazy as anything else, to be blunt. Uh, there's just no other way of looking at it right now in, in Division Three basketball, especially on the men's side. There's lots of conferences that are just as filled with parity as the rest of the country. And the SUNYAC's going to eat itself. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of these conferences are going to kill themselves and make it really hard for at-large bids to come out of them because they're going to rack up so many losses. Fun to watch, though. It means any single night we might be seeing something different. And you can't just kind of chalk off a night for nothing happening. And that's what makes it exciting. On women's basketball side of things, the NJAC has been dominated the last few years by Montclair State. Karen Harvey certainly has a terrific team over the years. But right now, they're 10-4. and four. Not shabby, but not what they're used to. 5-2 and two in conference. What, what's interesting is the three teams ahead of them. Rowan Keene and New Jersey State. Uh, or New Jersey State. I'm doing this all the time. Um... TCNJ uh, is is at six and one, and it proves to me that this conference is going to be a little bit more interesting. But the most fascinating part about the Rowan side of things is they're they're up there at at twelve and two overall, six and one in conference play, having unfortunately just lost to Karen Harvey's Montclair State team yesterday. 
they're doing with an interim coach who's was an assistant for a little bit of time, but also had been the men's assistant and an alum of the program. How has he got this team clicking so well? Well, that's why we have this show. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach, interim head coach of the Rowan Profs women's basketball team, Demetrius Poles. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time, as I mentioned. Um, you know, I think what jumps out of me is, first off, last year, well, any year you look at in, in the race in the end, Jack, you find, as we mentioned, Montclair at the top of it. You've seen some others make heads or tails of it, as it were, um, like Stockton. They got into the mix a few times. Rowan has been there, but not quite there. 13-5 and five last year in conference, 15-11 and 11 overall. You know, in the mix, but not at the top. Finished second last year, certainly, but everyone was chasing other people. What, have, what did you get from this team to get them to spur on to this next step, to get to what is now the top of the conference and be in the fray literally fighting for number one now? Well, I think it, 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 it's a lot of recruiting, a lot of work inside the recruiting before these young ladies got on sure. campus. Um, they're pretty talented because we have a very young group. We start freshmen and sophomores, and we got uh, we have coming off the bench four juniors coming off the bench. Um, so, so they're they're very talented. I told them to just throw away the labels of being <laughs> young and being, you know, freshmen. They they play basketball. Yeah. You know, I, I I just wanted to empower them and and just make them own and make them you know help them make you know use of every day. Uh, every day is a challenge, and you know, and and this is a tough conference. So you got to be on your toes, no matter what you do outside of the conference. You still have, you know, this is a battle, you know, yeah. every day. And our young ladies have accepted that, and you know, so it's fun to watch them. I was reminded TCNJ actually finished on top of the conference last year. I was so cl- so used to Montclair State being in the mix uh, at the top of the conference that I'm just used to Karen Harvey not being able to participate in conversation with us uh, regarding selections. She's, she's off the call. But last year was kind of the changing of the guard officially. This year it's in full force. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you guys now at 6-1 and one at the top of the conference, along with Kane and, and TCNJ with Montclair and William Patterson sneaking behind you. But what I do find interesting, as much as it's a gap there, Demetrius, there's also a distinct split. Because after that, Rutgers, Camden, Ram- uh, Ramapo, New Jersey City, Stockton, and Rutgers, Newark are all three games back minimum. It's this top group and then everybody else. We, we're not used to that because we're used to maybe one or just two teams at the top, not five. Yes, I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, this, this is why you have to stay on your toes every day <laughs> because if you slip, you know, that could be it. Uh, I used to tell my players in, in Europe, like, six inches would get you six months. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not knowing who you're guarding and you, and you let somebody have an open shot, that's your season right there. So, And, and that's definitely how it is in the NJAC. So these, these top five teams, you, you just never know what's going to happen. You but just, it is fun. Yeah, it, it, it's fun, but I'm sure if you had any hair, it'd be gray. You may have <laughs> saved yourself some hassle there. Um, admittedly, uh, you played for Rowan back in uh, the nineties. You were part of their national championship team. Uh, as you hinted, you, you went off and played in, in the pros. What drew you back to, to, well, I'm sure the the pros in, in Europe was no longer a thing for you, but what drew you back to, to the pro to the school and what drew you back to being a coach, 
I think it started on the men's side, correct? Yes. Um, well, I have two sons, and, and I was in Europe for 17 years, and, and, and it, I was telling myself, you know, my ex, that any time we have kids, it's time to go back home. So I was going <laughs> for a long time. And, um, you know, I did that, and, and then I went on campus and let them know that I was staying. And, you know, the Coach Cassidy helped me stay on campus and give me a job as assistant for the men's team. So that's how all that started in 2013. Um, and then I switched to the women's side in 2016. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, I have a unique experience, you know, being away so long and, and mm-hmm. coaching different various different places and, and different titles with basketball. But um, but I'm just happy to be back and happy to, to, to represent the university. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the switch to the women's side in a minute, but I, I went and counted 16 different countries is where you played, and not just Europe. You also played in the Middle East. You played in, in Lebanon. You played in Syria, Jordan. You also played in South America and Argentina. Oh, and I forgot Cotter there in the middle of that. You've played in some fascinating places in the world. Maybe not when they were all like they are now. Uh, I'm sure you could tell your yeah. stories about Lebanon and Syria when they were in different times. Um, yeah, I, what's that I like? Loved it over there. Yeah, um, in, in the Middle East. Yes, I had some different off the court experience, like you know, exploring the ancient city of Petra and oh. swimming in the Dead Sea and things like that. I, I've done a ton of that stuff and, and living in Switzerland, um, living oh. in Sweden. But I some of my favorite countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to learn. I got. I speak the uh, the Swedish language. You do. I coach. Yeah, so I coached the Swedish national team for the boys under 18. So I got a lot of uh, different experiences overseas. So Sweden is my home, my second home. That's amazing, Demetrius. Uh, I know the, the the Scandinavian countries. Actually, I got a friend of mine. I think he's tuned in from Switzerland. Not that that's Scandinavia, but interesting enough. Um, and I always joke in Denmark, it's speaking English with your with your fist down your throat. Um, it's about it the yeah. That's correct. Swedish is <laughs> close to that. I love it, but it's it's a hard language. How did you master that? Uh, just it, it was hard at first because Swedish people are very fluid English speaking. Yes, they are. Uh, speakers um so when you go over there it's like living in america because they yes. speak perfect perfect english uh, but you have to decide to you know to you know get into it but it's not that hard it's almost the same and it's it's almost like you're singing the language oh. um but uh but it's, it's not so bad once you concentrate it's all it's almost like translating the german and in English. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Though, mm-hmm. uh, quickly, side note, uh, I toured in a, for a year, and part of my tour was Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Belgium, France, Germany, Portugal. I also spent some time in other countries. And one of the funniest experiences I had was watching a Dane who was from my cast in our Swedish host family, and they decided, they decided to actually try it. to have One speak only Swedish, one speak only Danish. They didn't really understand each other. I found that <laughs> fascinating for languages I thought were exactly the same. Yeah, there are certainly differences. Yes. Uh, Kroner's about as close as we got to the similarities. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, I could talk more about that. But my real question about it all was how did you adjust to changing to so many different different cultures? I mean, there's nothing similar between Lebanon and Finland and and Qatar and Germany. I mean, there may be some small ones, but those have got to be some significant changes. How did you adjust to all that? 
it, it was that bouncing ball. You just wanted to play. Yeah. Um, that was that was the main thing. That was the only you know similarity between everything. And you're right. Uh, different cultures. And you you have to approach everything with an open mind. Mm. I have a lot of Lebanese friends. A lot of friends from the Middle East. Uh, through basketball, it's, it's been wonderful to keep those relationships even to this day. Um, you know, it's kind of bridging the gap. It, but you have to have an open mind on things, and there's a lot of different things you learn from different cultures in basketball. So, you know, I took advantage of it, and I've seen a lot of different players. I have three passports that are totally filled. Wow. That is that, – I'm jealous. Uh, I'm incredibly <laughs> jealous. Uh, do, do you, what did you bring to that then to coaching? Is it that open mind mentality or was there other parts of that experience that you're bringing now to the coaching side of things to get your teams to succeed? Well, well, coaching in Europe is a little, is, is the same as the women's basketball with the four quarters. You know, if you want to talk about the game itself, there's four quarters. Oh, sure. Um, it's the same format almost, except you got the 24 second shot clock in Europe. And the shot, uh, if you get offensive rebound, it goes to 14 seconds. Well, I just mean is, I, I mean, more along the lines, Demetrius, sorry to cut you off. I just mean along the lines of what, from the experience of being in all these different countries, can you bring that to your coaching and getting players to, to, to buy in, as it were? What, have you, what did you learn during, from that side of things, as it were? Players like to shoot. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, they like to shoot. So just give them the uh, green I mean, light. <laughs> yes, uh, this, this, you tell them you talk about spacing and shooting, and they're interested. Um, <laughs> True. That, that you go directly to the point. That is it. Um, they like to let it go, and if they work hard at it, they can be good at it. Uh, I've seen a lot of Europeans. You know, that's what I'm bringing over here—a little bit European, European style. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, the, the kids like to shoot, so. Well, they work on it. You gotta get, empower them to do that, and then they'll they'll do the other things, you know, for you. You're scoring 83 points a game. It's it, you clearly have a shooting mentality because even in the women's game, that's a high scoring game. Yes, and I'm trying to get it to 100. Oh, are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We we wanna we wanna get rebounds and kickouts, and that's the that's the best shot in basketball. Right. So. So you, the more rebounds you get, the more kickouts you can get. Um, you got to do that or get better shooters, but we're doing great. <laughs> um, I'm very happy with these young ladies. They're fun to watch, and we can, we can score 115 points if we're all healthy. Well, um, we're not healthy right now, but okay. we will get back to it in a couple weeks. Let's let's talk um, about him a little bit. You got Marsh Grace uh, Grace Marshall. I'm reading it backwards. Uh, leading the leading the way at 14, almost 15 points a game. Uh, Nicole Mallard at 12.5 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Not the leading high, by the way. We'll get to that. Uh, Elena Sant Santana, I hope I said her name right. Uh, Eliana. Eliana, thank you. Uh, she's averaging 11.5 points a game and 10-plus from uh, Alexis Creeley and Savannah Holt. The leading rebounder is Ayana Johnson at 14 boards a game while she's pouring in 7.5 points. The only person I didn't mention that in that grouping was Kennedy Brown at 8 plus points a game. That's some fascinating stats. You've got a lot of scores, and they're not even your, your key rebounder. That tells me what you just said. She's getting those boards, and she's kicking it out. Yes, yes. Uh, she's relentless. Uh, she's been that way since high school, and that's something I noticed in the recruiting process uh, about three years ago. 
and, and, and she's transferred it over to college basketball, which is wonderful. She's doing incredible. Their numbers are incredible. Um, and it's feeding the rest of our shooters. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a different part of the game. If you, can do, if you can dominate that part, why not? Well, if you're dominating that part, you should win a lot more games. Lo and behold, <laughs> you're winning a lot more games this year. Um, by the way, you're playing 10 players pretty much in every game. You're playing another three in at least half of those games. You're willing to go to the bench, clearly. This isn't, I mean, I, I know you talk about the rebounding, kicking out for threes, trying to score 100 points, playing a lot of players. This isn't the Grinnell system. I know we're not talking Loyola Marymount or anything along those lines. No, not at all. No, no. I realize that. Um, but is a European game like that? It's, it's scoring and shooting and, and getting boards and kicking out for more? Well, certain countries are different. Like sure. uh, you, you say Iceland, yes, they will do that. They want the three before anything else. Um, in, in Germany, no, they'll slow down getting to the post first. So we, we mix all that up. Okay. That's part of my different experiences through basketball and around the world that I'm bringing because we have a lot of different talents because Ayana could, you know, we do want her to score, obviously, in sure. the paint. Sure. Um, but if she's just great at if she's not in a position to score, she can kick it out. She's very strong, um, and she makes some pinpoint passes to the to the shooters. Well, here's the other thing that scares me about you guys to some degree. You have one, two, three, four, five, or six pl- six players who are shooting better than forty percent. Uh, Holt is shooting forty eight percent from the floor this season. Um, she's also shooting forty three percent from beyond the arc. Marshall's shooting forty plus percent from beyond the arc. The rest of the team might not be as strong there, but those two certainly are. When you're shooting that well individually, and even as a team at 38%, that's a tough team to defend because I, I don't know who I'm going to necessarily stop. Yes, I, I call that pick your poison. <laughs> and, and, and we have a first four second rule. You get it down in the first four seconds, you know, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, you know, and, and you get a good shot, we get to the paint, get a good shot, or attack pass, shoot it, and shoot with confidence and conviction. So and we, we do practice it, and okay. I, I empower them. I really want them to shoot it and not hesitate. You only put up 50 against uh, Montclair yesterday in a 76-50 loss. That's going to look like an admiration compared to everything we just talked about. I know you just mentioned injuries. I saw one player we mentioned who, who had, doesn't have as many games as the rest of her group, and I can probably read between the lines, but what happened in that game that 50 was the best you guys could put up? Well, first of all, Michael State, they, they played great. Yeah. They really came out and, and were ready to play from the from the jump ball. Uh, I didn't think we were. That kept us on our heels the whole game. Um, but, you know, Grace, Grace Tour, you know, she twisted her ankle against Willie P. Mm. Um, Alexis Crowley is not feeling well, hundred percent. So you know, it, it kind of we were kind of standing out there. Um, Eliana Santana also twisted her ankle the first play of the game. So it was kind of kind of tough. And uh, you know, but all the credit goes to Montclair State. They're ready to play. Sure. And we we really weren't being an aggressive team like we used to be. Sixteen to sixty-four from the floor is not going to help you either. Um, no. Obviously. Uh, one thing I, we've been kind of dancing around, you are the interim head coach. Uh, Gabby Lazella yes. left or retired, uh, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, retired from the position back in uh, mid-September. 
were you surprised by the decision, both that she retired and then you got given the the gig? What 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 transpired there, and and how it seems like the team responded pretty well under the changes. Well, I was I was a little bit surprised. Uh, Gabby did. I learned a lot from Gabby. She's a classy coach, one of the best I've ever been around. Um, she's our assistant athletic director right now, uh, which she's doing a great job of doing. But uh, when I when I received the job, I did you know make some changes. If you see the roster from this year from last last yeah, year, yeah, yeah. So so I made some changes and went forward that. But, um, you know, right now I'm just doing the interim thing, and, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, would you want this full-time? Is this, is, I mean, is this why you switched over to women, that you were interested in taking over the women's game and, and being a full-time coach? Or a, I shouldn't say full-time coach. That's not the right term. Uh, a head coach in, in the women's game. Yes, absolutely. This is something I put a lot of time into, and I think I can do a good job at it and, um, and represent the university well. Yes, absolutely. Well, Coach, I, I could talk to you forever, especially about your, your European youths. I am fascinated, um, not only in the amount of passports <laughs> you've used, um, but the fact that your second home is Sweden. You do know it's cold up there, right? Hey, I love Gothenburg. Oh, Gothenburg. City. Oh, i got to get you in touch with a good friend of mine then. She has an American store there. Um, All right. Yes, and I was supposed to spend a month of my life in Gothenburg. Unfortunately, that fell through about a uh, week. You won't come back if you go there. Well, that's probably why they canceled our trip uh, a month before yeah. uh, we were supposed to 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 be uh, there. That's too bad. But, that's too bad, man. You yeah. it. Well, I spent two and a half weeks Gothenburg. in Copenhagen. I can't complain. Uh, no, not at all. No, is beautiful. no, I love Copenhagen too. <laughs> but Gothenburg's on my list of getting back to. But really, I'd lo- I, like I said, I could talk to you more, and we were going to have to find a way to get you back on the show sometime. Um, but, I'm, but fortunately, I got to let you go. But we do have a tradition on the show. We leave the last word to the guest. Any final words you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, Sisu ladies. What's that? Sisu ladies. That's my team. That's my uh, uh, my nice. players on the team. Very nice. Good shout-out. I like they, that. They know what it means. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm at. I figured that. Let that be for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Coach, yep. thanks so much for the time. We will get you on in the near future. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. Demetrius Pohl joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. I don't know what you got out of that from the, about the team. Uh, I, was, I also got more intrigued about his, his tour abroad uh, than anything else. I, I seriously could talk to him forever about some of that stuff. They do have Kane coming up on the 15th. They're on the road there. Then they'll be home against Rutgers Newark on the 28th. Then on the road against Rutgers Camden and New Jersey City the 22nd and 25th. They'll close out the month at home against TCNJ the 29th. So they got some big games ahead of them. That t- and Jack race is going to be fascinating on both sides. I think the women's one's more intriguing, to be blunt. Um, I, I, I think I kind of intrigued by what he's doing there uh, with this different mentality. So Looking forward to seeing how it plays out. When we come back, we'll stay with the women's game. We'll jump into Wisconsin, speaking of cold places. Though, I think it's cold there right now. 70 degrees outside today. I'm just ticked off here in Baltimore. But we'll talk to uh, Karen Middleton about her University of Wisconsin lacrosse women's basketball team. They are in the mix in the top of the WIAC. Not a team we normally talk about. What is going on with the Eagles, and what can we expect from them the rest of the way? You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school, it's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. But it was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us on this Sunday evening, 
Give us a tweet at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, which kind of reminds me. I haven't checked the email in a moment. We'll check that now in case any of you have emailed us. If you've got any questions, that's how you can get a hold of us. I do see one in there, so that's a good sign. Um, I did see that one, actually. Oh, no, maybe I didn't. I don't know. Ed? Um, oh, it doesn't look like my... Oh, that's unfortunate. Looks like maybe it's not working. So maybe that Hoopsville email is not working. Ed's just proven us, so we'll try and figure it out. But he's emailed us on. Ed, I will get to that question in a bit. It's about Wartburg and Lawrence. That's a good question to have. Uh, so you can email us, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com, because it does look like maybe Hoopsville is not working, though I am double-checking to see if maybe that came in at another time. January 11th. Well, we'll have to chase it. There's a chance I, I didn't... Yeah, well, I'm going into the weeds. Um... So there. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. We're also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Several of you have been on there and been chatting with us. We appreciate it. Um, Ryan Scott says, looking forward to Middlebury interview. It looks, uh, it looks like I'm going to be in Vermont for the Williams game. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Ryan, you're a lucky man, uh, to say the least. All right, so let's stay with women's basketball. Another race that has caught my attention um, this season has been the WIAC women's race. If you look at things right now, you've got Whitewater on top. Nice to see Whitewater back in the fray. But then it's a three-way, four-way race between Stout, Eau Claire, Stevens Point, and Lacrosse. And it's only because Stevens Point knocked off Lacrosse yesterday, 67-58. In a game I wasn't expecting. Shirley Egner's always good, though. And I guess you should never underestimate her. But it's also because it, it made sure that all three of our guests this, this evening had losses coming into the game. Karen Middleton joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk about her Eagles squad. And, Coach, first and foremost, sorry about the loss, but thanks for taking the time to join us. <laughs> thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I would, I'm guessing just off the top of my head um, – oh, sorry, we've lost your graphic for those watching at home wondering what the heck's going on there. We'll fix that in a second. Um, I'm guessing it's, it's one of those surely got me kind of games. You know Shirley does a great job at point, and uh, they were ready to go, and uh, that's the battles of the WIAC. It's tough every every night, and especially on the road. So uh, a lot of learning lessons for us, and we'll get back at it tomorrow and get ourselves hopefully prepared for Whitewater on Wednesday. Unfortunately, you lost two of your last four, but then again, Wartburg was one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You go to the Wartburg's <laughs> tournament, Coach. You know you might be in for a bit of a um... – a dust-up, let's call it. Uh, is that what happened? Is that what we saw? Well, we, we actually we, we tr- really tried to make our non-conference schedule much, much tougher this sure. year. And we played Wartburg in Eau Claire's Classic uh, opening weekend. So we had seen them once before, um, and, and they really were, were dominant in that game. We hung in there. We kept it somewhat close. Uh, they jumped on us quick in the first quarter and then we're able to battle back ended up being a 10-point game but knowing too that we may have the opportunity to play them in their tournament at home uh you know it's something we're just we're building we're trying to get there and Wartburg's a, a great program obviously has had great success and you know it was it was a much better effort for us in regards to execution both ends of the floor and uh we competed and and that's what we're trying to do just compete every night uh, give a best effort, really 
try to be the best that we can from an execution standpoint on both ends of the floor, and we battled and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity, but they're tough, and, uh, you know, they're an awesome program, and uh, they got us. So we, we knew it was going to be tough, but we just wanted to have an opportunity. Well, and, and I applaud you for that because I think too many teams want to go out there and, and not hurt themselves too much or at the holiday break maybe not challenge themselves because they've had a bit of a break. Everyone knows you go to Wartburg, you're going to be challenged. You got Wash totally, U in the yeah. first game, and you got that as a win. And then Wartburg had won both games. And I don't think Wartburg goes in necessarily thinking they're going to win both games. So I applaud you on that, and it certainly helps the resume. But you also have Wartburg earlier in the season uh, yep. in a game, uh, 72-62. Is that just a quirk of scheduling? I mean, how does it end up that you end up with two Wartburg games uh, on the schedule that there isn't somebody who can make some arrangements or turn something into a classic maybe to avoid that from happening. I'm just, it's pure on a curiosity side of things. Yeah, it, well, Eau Claire was a classic, so we knew going into it that we were going to play them. And quite honestly, we needed, we needed to toughen up our non-conference. You know, we were on the bubble last year. Yep. I think we, we barely missed it. Um, so we knew with no seniors last year, we need to make it ex- you know, really tougher for us and, and see some different types of competition so that not only were we preparing ourselves for WIAC, but also putting together a really good resume, hopefully with an opportunity to, to get over that hump with the NCAA too. Sure. No, that makes total sense, and that's why I, I asked that question. Um, again, you have Warburg twice. You played Simpson, who's usually been somewhat – Somewhat good. I think this year maybe just be a slight off year, uh, though they're 11-3. Yep. and three. I'm not going to completely knock them. Um, you also have Luther in there. You've got Washu, as we mentioned, and Warburg again, and then the Wyack play. Seems like you really went out there and, and did what you wanted to accomplish. Does it also prepare you for Wyack play? Most definitely. Uh, all of those games. You know, uh, Luther's a pressing team. We see different presses throughout Wyack. Uh, they got on a major run now um, since yeah. we played them and you know we we had to battle to get out of that one and get the win but they're playing some really good basketball and obviously the two Wartburg games it's nothing but positives from there learning and getting better with an opportunity to play against some of the best um, and a big a really good wash you win for us you know a great program um, you know Randy's doing a really good job with them so you know good competition uh, the WIACs you know the, it's tough you know every single night you know we start out with with Oshkosh and had a really good performance against them so it's every night you got to be ready to go well that's saying it lightly uh to say the least <laughs> uh that conference has been crazy the last few years it's interesting to see Whitewater back up there Carrie Carollo with her squad uh back at the top of the standings as of now but it's that five horse race or four horse race with Stout, Eau Claire, and Stevens Point right now, and you still have a pretty good Oshkosh team. You still have a surprisingly good Platteville team who's 0-3 in conference play behind them. How is this conference going to shake out? Is, this, is, is Whitewater the best team, or is, is this not how we're going to see things at the end of the season? Yeah, I think Whitewater's kind of separated a little bit from everyone else, and uh, you know they've got a great inside attack, and, and like you said, Kerry does an awesome job with them, so you know, they're sitting at the top and they're controlling things right now. But, you know, like you said, Platteville had a really good game against a really big win against Wartburg. Um, Eau Claire's on a really good hot streak right now. Obviously, Point, we just saw them. So, you know, Stout um, just beat Oshkosh themselves. So, you know, it's, it's, 
it's home court advantage. It's trying to steal some on the road. It's just a matter of matchups a lot of times within this conference and who's doing well and who's playing well. So you just you got to be ready to go every night, and you got to be ready. And these we've got a great group of coaches in this conference, and uh, you know it's tough. A lot of strategies and a lot of you know different things that go into it. But um, road wins are tough to really tough to come by. So you got to protect your home court and hope to get some really big wins on the road too. Don't worry, Coach. Everything you just described doesn't sound like a grind of a season whatsoever. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys, how, how do you keep the team fresh? How do you keep them from literally getting ground down by the grind? Yeah, I, I think what we're fortunate with this year, which is really one of our first times we've had this, this is my fourth year now, is we've got some really good depth. You know, we're able to keep players much fresher than we have in the past, you know, and it's just, you know, we're hungry, you know, we want to have a taste of what others in this conference have had. And none of our kids have tasted that before. You know, we've, we've been right there, but we haven't been able to get over the hump. So, you know, we've been to the semifinals every single year, but we haven't been to the championship. So that's a hunger that we have. It's something that they've worked really hard from spring and summer getting prepared for this season and you know we we took a a tough one last night but i know our group uh, we're gonna regroup tomorrow be ready to go and and we're motivated to get better and it's a, a big thing is just trying to improve every single game and and working for the next because they're all very different let's talk about the team a little bit more 11 returners from last year including five starters uh no surprise you're succeeding as a result though to finish second in the conference and you're led by two double-point scorers, and Danny Craig and Emma uh, uh, Gamok. Gamok? I don't Gamoki. Gamoki. Yep. Oh, yep. Emma nice Gamoki. Little, little added end <laughs> on the side. Of course, yep. her sister's uh, playing as well. Uh, in um, no, I'm not sorry, not her sister. I'm just reading things wrong in my notes. Uh, she was an all-team first uh, first-team selection last year. Uh, Danny Craig was an honorable mention um, all WIAC in 2018, and last year an all-first-team member. Obviously, a lot of experience here, and I don't want to forget uh, Delaney uh, Schoenberger as well. Schoenberger, yep. See, this is why this is why I say them. I let the coach <laughs> yep. make it seem like I'm, you know, you're a genius. Um, you're right there. Is it just because this team's been around for so long, had this team chemistry, or what is it about this team we don't know? Well, I, I think a big part is you know our guard play, obviously with Danny, Emma, and Delaney. Uh, Delaney is really the heart and soul of our team. She and Danny, team captains, along with Kaya Steiner. Uh, we've got good versatility. You know, we've got, we, we shoot the ball really well, but I think one thing that we've added this year is much more of a post presence. Mm. Uh, Lexi Higgins is a sophomore this year, um, had a really solid freshman year. Uh, we've added Kat Fitzgerald, who's having a really good freshman year, uh, super talented. Uh, learning the physicality of the game and and, and and working through that. But we've we've got some different pieces this year with our freshmen and adding depth to what we're doing. But, you know, we, we've been a really good three-point shooting team. Our defense has been really solid, been one of the best. We're not quite there yet this year. We're working on that. But, um, you know, we've been really led by our defense and good three-point shooting. But I think the biggest thing is adding a little post-presence uh, not relying on the three all the time, and really trying to stretch the floor out and do some different things with it too. Is there anything 
you can throw at WIAC teams that they haven't seen already from you or the program or, or vice versa? Can, is there anything they can throw at you that you haven't seen or this team hasn't seen? Yeah, I think in conference we all do a really good job non-conference and we see a lot of different things. You know, throughout the conference, you know, Whitewater has a great post presence. they got guards that go off the dribble. You know, Oshkosh uh, Parath is really leading them and just a really strong, versatile 4-3 type player. Uh, we see a lot of really good guard play throughout the conference. So it's, uh, I think we see pretty much everything there is. I, I think for the WIAC, maybe our identity is just physicality. Like it's a tough physical conference. You got to be ready to go, and you got to be able to rebound. Mm-hmm. You, you got to make sure you're boxing out and can handle that part of the game because uh, you know you're going to see a little bit of everything. But I think the physical nature of the conference is kind of what separates us a little bit. Lacrosse basketball in general has certainly decided to, to change things up. You were hired. You're now in your fourth season. Uh, obviously, a lot of success last year. Twenty two wins. Tying a uh, mark from uh, the last time they've been that high was 87-88. Dernbacher comes in, and and he's got that program now clicking along as well. There's clearly been a a mentality shift, it feels like, there at lacrosse that it's time to to take this conference a little bit by the nose, as it were, and, and, and make a statement. Is that a fair way of saying it? Well, I think we've got huge support from from our administration with Kim Bloom and, and Aaron Hansen and, you know, Chancellor Gal, you know, it, it's a, it's a special place. I mean, lacrosse, we've got tremendous academics along with great, great athletics. You know, the, the national championships that have been won at lacrosse is second to none, you know, so it's an awesome place to go with a really good town. And, you know, there is a commitment to basketball and what we're doing. Um, but I think it's across the board, too. You know, our football program's done really well. Sure. So I think everyone's, you know, having a part of that. But it's also a, a great place to be uh, and be a part of. But the academics, I think, really separate us from a lot of people. Um, you seem lost, though. I'm a little concerned. Uh, you attended the University of Southern Cal, graduated in the 91. You, you were okay, 1,700 points. It was okay. Uh, I actually went to South Carolina, did I say, what did Southern I say? Cal. Southern Cal. No, because I was getting to Southern, Southern Cal. Cal. I, I merged the two. Yes. I'm a, I'm a South Carolina girl. No, so. I've merged the two because you went to – I Gamecocks. Yeah, I screwed that up because I, I, you went to Cal State Fullerton, and I had Southern Cal in my head. Yep. You went to yep. Southern I, Carolina. Right, South Carolina. South, USC, yeah. the other USC. Yep. My problem the is the real USC. That's yeah, what I mean. see, I can't. I can't go there. My sister went to the other <laughs> USC in, in Trojan. Okay. I, it well, puts I me in danger Stanford water. For Ten years, so I kind of know the Trojans too. But yeah, um, so you can when it understand. Comes to West Coast, I'm a Stanford fan. So well, yeah. I, I I'm not getting into that either. In case she's okay. listening, I I don't need death threats. <laughs> I understand. I uh, understand. But that's where I got my brain screwed up. Um, you went to the University of South Carolina is where I was trying to go. <laughs> Graduated in 91. Four years, 1,700 points, uh, single school record, and 115 made threes. Back then, that was a big deal. Um, it's still a big deal, but that's insane back then. Uh, but then here's where you went. You then went to University of Illinois as an assistant. As you mentioned, you went to Stanford for 10 years. Uh, you then went to Eastern Washington for a few years. You were also not in order, by the way, folks. I'm just reading these off. Uh, you were also <laughs> yep. at South Carolina at one point. Then you were the head coach at West Carolina. Um, and then you were at Cal State Fullerton at one point before coming to lacrosse. Did you get lost on a roadmap? 
<laughs> what the no, world happened here? East to west, back east. <laughs> no, um, I just you know for me, Division three. Like I think you get the best of everything, and having been Division one for twenty something years, but before mm-hmm. coming to lacrosse, like. You know, it's it's a different feel. There's a great balance. Uh, we've got awesome young women in our program, and the biggest thing is the ac- academic side for for us. You know, and you know, I felt that at Stanford, you can you can get a great education and compete at a very high level. Yeah, and I believe that here. You know, the academic piece at a lot of places, Division One is sometimes lost, and it's that's not the way it should be. Money's becoming a big deal, but for Division Three, it's 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 pure. It's basketball at its best. I think the WIAC is one of the best, if not the best conferences in the country. And um, I really believe we've got something special at lacrosse from the academic side of it, athletically, and a great town. So I found a, I found a great place to be, and you know I, I love what we have, the players, the work ethic, uh, their passion for it is not lost. It's not something they have to do. It's something they'd love to do, and it's something mm-hmm. they want to do, and they're working hard for. So, um, yeah, I've been all over the place, but, uh, you know, this is a pretty special place. Well, um, I might call you, maybe someone from the NCAA. We'd love to get all this on uh, video, uh, make a nice little promo for Division Three. I loved okay. what you said. I absolutely loved what you said. I, I've had the same feelings. I've, I've certainly had my associations with D1 as well. I think the Patriot League, the Stanford's, and those are, are still true to their roots. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I love Division Three so much. You kind of yep. wrapped it up very nicely I agree. in a bow there. Thank you. Um, just because I want to have a little fun, congratulations on graduating from Southern Cal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with two degrees, by the way. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. That wasn't in my notes. Two degrees? What would you get? Two degrees. Oh, I got a, a master's in education oh, as well, wow. which I think helps a little bit with coaching. So I, I was going to say, I see a lot of masters of education in coaches. Uh, I'm not overly <laughs> surprised. Uh, by the way, are you keeping Kent in line? I feel like he needs someone like yourself maybe just to keep you, him in line. You know, he's a great guy. I think he's doing he pretty well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're fortunate to have him. He's doing an awesome job. They just had a big win at yeah, over point last night. So. I'm really happy for him and and their guys, and uh, they work hard. I tell you, he he's he's a great coach, but a better person. So yeah, yeah, we're lucky to have him. If Bob Semley could avoid scheduling lacrosse from now on, I think he would. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he's not allowed to do that. Uh, coach, thanks so much for the time and and humoring me as well. Uh, I appreciate it. Dave. Even if I can read things backwards from what they really are, <laughs> um, and we have a tradition on the show. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? We appreciate y'all's support. You know, what you guys do, D3 Hoops, Hoopsville, is awesome uh, for the game, for, for our women's game. And, you know, just the exposure we get for our conference is awesome. So thank you for all you do. Uh, continue to follow us. It's going to be it's gonna be a battle. Yeah, uh, we're is. in the grind of it right now. So we just appreciate all you do and the support that you give us. Well, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Appreciate you coming on the show. Makes the job a lot easier as well. Enjoy, quote-unquote, enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, we'll look, For sure. We'll look forward to how the race turns out, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You too. All right. Mm, bye-bye. Bye. Karen Milton joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. I do that all the time. That USC thing screws me up. Uh, again, my sister went to USC, the, the Southern Cal version, was on the Trojan marching band. And so USC, South Carolina, is, it's not in my head. Ah, I appreciate her. Yeah. <laughs>
enjoying that with me. Um, so they come off the loss to Stevens Point. Doesn't get easier. They get Whitewater on Wednesday, though at home. Then they'll be at Platteville on Saturday next week on the road. Then at home against Stout and Eau Claire before finishing up with Whitewater on the road. That's all ahead in the next five games to close out the month of January for the uh, the Eagles women's basketball team. We'll see how they shake out. Number nine, not a bad ranking. The highest they've ever been ranked. We didn't get into that conversation, but certainly they are doing well under Kate, uh, Karen Milden. I've almost called her Kate Middleton, which was in my head too. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll jump into men's basketball. Number three, Middlebury. Jeff Brown will join me to talk about his team and the rough weekend, not only for him, but in the NESCAC. And then don't forget, Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott join us to talk about the top 25 answer some of your questions as well. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. 
It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Sunday evening, it is the 12th of January, 2019. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I may have just mentioned the email address. i got to change it on the crawl as well. Go back to Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. The Hoopsville email apparently is not working once again. Austin uh, texted us, said, I heard you were talking Bethel women's basketball. Here are the current resume if you, if you need to help your ballot on the top 25. We'll look at that here in just a moment, Austin, for sure. I also got an email regarding Wartburg and Loris. By the way, uh, trying to get my kids more involved. They want to be more involved in the show, folks, if you didn't know. So you may see at least my son in studio in the future. We'll see. We're working on that. My wife and I are coming up with some plans. What I wanted him to do is not able to be done, but we're still working on some details. But my daughter now has the responsibility of getting some of the odd and ends ready for me, like a, a, a glass of water or, so, or, or some snacks. I just noticed she, she snuck in some Smarties for me. Maybe I should have had those before I talked to Karen Middleton about Southern Cal and South Carolina. Oops. I uh, love it all the same. I'm talking men's basketball now as we switch gears, head up into the number three team in the country it's the middlebury panthers who knows where they'll be ranked tomorrow after a interesting opening weekend in nescac play to be blunt though i don't think if we should have been all that surprised it is the nescac after all but it's it's well it's more complicated than that as we talked about at the beginning of the show however middlebury lost their first game of the season this one to amherst 81 69 and then squeaked past hamilton both games on the road they got past the continentals um, with free throws and won that game 77 76. Um, so they're 14 and 1. But ahead of them, they got non conference opponent Albertus Magnus, who's also ranked in the top 25 coming into town this week. And then they host Colby and Bowden before hosting Williams. So they got a nice little run here at home coming up. What does it all mean for the Panthers, and what do we make of the weekend? Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's Jeff Brown, the head coach of the Panthers. Coach, First and foremost, thanks for joining me. And uh, I know you guys are licking your wounds a little bit, but I also know you didn't think this was going to be easy. Uh, for sure, Dave. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, you know, we were really to be able to get a split, you know, on that uh, first weekend playing two challenging teams. Uh, but I think uh, the word parity is certainly appropriate for uh, the NESCAC as well as uh, the national pitcher. Yeah, no, that's saying it lightly for sure. Um, parody to be sure. But here's the crazy thing that I can't get, and I guess we'll just get it out of the, out of the gate. You, you go on up against Amherst. Of course, you know, Dave Hickson on sabbatical and, and, and very good coach in the interim. But they come off of a loss against Wesleyan in the previous game, and then they sandwich the win with you guys by putting the other piece of bread with a loss to Williams. How do we 
make heads or tails of that? Is it is it really the parody? And to quote GP Gromacki, a really good team having a slightly off night is going to get beat by anybody who's having a great night. Uh, I think in our league for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of quality teams. Uh, you know, on the uh, the top end of the NESCAC. Uh, standings and so forth, and uh, I, I really believe, um, you know, you, you know, each game is is going to present different challenges uh, based on personnel and just uh, the level of talent across the board within the NESCAC. Um, what happened in the Amherst game? Give us a, a sense of how that game transpired and how they end up coming out with a win. I, I know it's at Lafrac, so maybe we should just spot them ten points. Um, it's tough. It's just like coming to your you place. You know, I, I almost feel like that's a given when we play, uh, <laughs> you know, in Amherst. Uh, I believe we've only beaten them once in my time wow. here. Um, you know, at their place, we've had a lot more success uh, at home against them. But uh, I think the big difference uh, in that first game was just uh, uh, the rebounding. Uh, they really um, out-rebounded us by a decisive margin. I think uh, the total was 14, uh, and that's really too much to overcome against a very talented team. And uh, believe me, they have a lot of talent, a lot of returners from last year's team that made a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I get in the sense that, I mean, every team goes through this, but have you guys been banged up? Uh, most definitely. Okay. Uh, we've had uh, several individuals, uh, you know, missed some games, um, and that's has affected our rotation a little bit. But I'm really pleased uh, in the way that uh, guys have stepped up, and to have a, a 14 and one record at this point in the season is uh, is is really special. And we're just going to try to keep it going. How much is it when a when a guy gets banged up, misses X amount of games? Let's call it four, five, maybe six. Uh, I, I know I'm not hitting anything exact with you guys, but I'm just curious, how hard is it not only for everybody to adjust to losing that individual for a while, but then how hard is it to adjust to having them back? Uh, you know, I, I really don't believe that there's a, a huge adjustment uh, in terms of losing and re-entering uh, guys back into the picture. Um, we really promote uh, the concept of uh, next man up. And because we like to play a fast-paced style, uh, some guys who might not be in a rotation one week might appear and have to give us five or six uh, quality minutes to help us uh, keep going. Uh, so we talk about that a lot in terms of uh, you know motivating our guys and trying to keep some of the guys who are out of the playing rotation going. That uh, you know you got to be ready when your chance comes. Uh, you've got one senior on this team. Uh, if anybody wants to be scared, it's the fact that you only lose one senior. That said, it is Matt Folger. Um, he, he's not too shabby. Uh, he's pretty darn good. He's 14th at going into the weekend. This number has changed. Uh, actually, he may be 13th now in, in scoring, uh, knocking on the door of 12th. He had 652 career rebounds coming into the weekend. He had 21 double-doubles. Uh, in what now is 97 career games, some of these stats have changed a little bit. H how important has Folger been to this to this team, and how important has he been to the season? Uh, very important. Uh, we do actually have uh, two seniors, uh, along with uh, Matt Folger, Perry DiLorenzo, who's in our playing rotation and a very good shooter. Oh, from you're 
three-point line. Sorry about that. Uh, those yep. two are our seniors, but uh, Matt has been had a terrific uh, uh, impact uh, throughout his career. Uh, he came off the bench as a, as a freshman and has been in the starting lineup uh, since his sophomore year. And uh, he's a, a big, long, uh, you know, forward at six foot eight, who can really stretch the floor, has a uh, beautiful three-point shot. And again, he's really consistently done well for us rebounding uh, the basketball and also uh, rim protection. Uh, he usually leads us in block shots also. Uh, but, you know, Matt's uh, one of our three uh, captains, and uh, he's done a great job uh, leading our group, and I think our guys really lean on him. Uh, yeah, sorry about the other senior there. Didn't mean to, to skip him out for sure. Um, the other thing I should point out, a third in blocks going into the weekend as well, 173. Uh, Ryan Cherry, who we all got to know very well, has 198, so there's a chance he may get there. Uh, at least to Sherry at two, according to my notes. There's no way he gets to one. Um, you have, well, you had five guys in double figures. Let me just quickly go through this. Jack Farrell, the junior, leading the way at 17 points a game. Um, Max Bosco, a junior, at 13.9. Matt Folger, as we mentioned, 11 points a game. And Tommy Eastman at 10.2. Leading rebounder, not surprisingly, he's Folger. He could end up finishing the season on a double-double average. The one that's missing is Alex Sobel, Sophomore, 11.5 points a game. I noticed he's uh, 11 games played, isn't as much as everybody else, but I also thought I read something about him possibly being injured. But he's not on the roster anymore. Everything okay with Alex? Is Have you guys lost him, and is that kind of along the lines of, of the injuries you guys have had to deal with? Well, uh, you know, we, we are actually into our academic uh, semester. We have a, a January term. Yes. And um, Alex is, is currently away from campus oh. uh, because of personal reasons. Um, I texted with him uh, earlier tonight, and uh, he's hopeful of returning back to Middlebury at some point, but it's not real clear when that might happen. Uh, So that's just another example of uh, what we tell our guys is you got to be ready and keep keep working because, uh, you know, we're we're down a guy, and, um, you know, we kind of treat it like a – you know, a sprained ankle or, you know, an illness. And, you know, when when he gets back – uh, you know, we'll be a stronger team. I, I saw him missing off the the online roster, so I thought maybe it was uh, maybe a, a bigger deal. And I realize he still could be out for the year. I don't, I don't want to say anything when it's personal. I don't want to get into that. But my point being was I, I thought maybe there was something more significant um, besides a personal matter, and I don't want to go into. But I appreciate at least the insight. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were thirteen and zero, as we mentioned, uh, best start since the twenty twelve twenty thirteen season. Um, you only got one loss. Let's let's think about this in the grand scheme of things. It's still just one loss. You're 14 and one on this year. This team is clicking. But as a voter in the top 25 and as a fan of Division Three, I feel like I haven't quite grasped what you guys are as a unit. Uh, I know how good Folger is. I know you guys have been banged up. So is everybody else. What is it about this team I maybe can't see when looking at a box score or can't fully appreciate watching a game online? Well, I think the biggest factor with us is we're such a veteran team. Uh, we only have the, you know, the two um, seniors, uh, but six of our juniors are major players on this team. So, uh, you know, the expectation for us as a group was just being a lot younger because uh, last year playing at soft, sophomores, uh, you know, we were hot and cold to a degree, and I think we've been just a lot more consistent because, uh, again, the maturity of, uh, 
you know, just being an older team. Sure. Uh, at the test ahead, you got Albertus Magnus in non-conference play coming up on Wednesday. Or, I'm sorry, Tuesday. Um, then you get back into conference action with a currently undefeated Colby team coming to town. Bowden to follow that, and of course Williams on the other side, and Williams just knocked off Amherst. Um, and the rest of this conference slate. No one said it was going to be easy. How do you keep everybody focused on the task at hand? Well, that, that's the point. It's such a <laughs> challenge. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've had a run where we played uh, at Springfield and got a real nice win against the top 25 mm-hmm. team. Uh, we, you know, we had a game with Plattsburgh. Then we go to uh, Amherst and, and Hamilton and get a split against the top 25 team and another team receiving votes. And then we're going to play uh, two more top 25 teams in Alberta and Colby. So uh, I don't think uh, our guys are complacent <laughs> and feeling like, uh, you know, this is going to be easy. You know, uh, these games come down to, you know, generally a couple, uh, you know, plays towards the end of the game that kind of dictate the outcome. And, you know, you know, we've got to, you know, really outwork and outperform and, and be lucky in some cases uh, to get some W's. Do you have to some degree, how do you get past the losses? I got a better way of saying that. And, and another near loss with Hamilton. Is there a, a bit of a reset button? Is there a, a bit of a non-panic button? Hey, guys, it's not the end of our world type conversation? Uh, there's no need for a conversation like that because, okay. uh, you know, we know the level of competition that we're playing and that it's, it's going to be a challenge. It's really hard to win NESCAC games. And, uh, you know, we just have to take it uh, one game at a time. One last thing before I let you go. The other thing that's jumped out at me is how high-scoring you guys are this season. Uh, you've scored 80 or more points eight times, 90 or more four times. Actually, well, let's make it uh, nine times. No, I'm, I'm correct on those stats. I'm sorry. <clears throat> 99 points uh, back in the beginning of January. You're fourth in scoring. We should point out you played number one and number three in scoring this weekend. This feels, I don't remember you guys being as highly offensive mentally uh in the past i felt like you were a lot of nescax a little bit the offense will come but we're going to stop teams first am i misreading that yeah i think you are to a degree i I think if you went back and looked at statistics uh we've been a team that generally has scored you know roughly uh 85 points per game playing a tempo style uh I believe this team is really talented offensively our offensive numbers are really really good uh, the areas that we're, again, working to shore up or, you know, the rebounding and uh, defensively being able to stop, you know, people and really talented players. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've really have made some inroads in, in both of those areas. Well, I appreciate it. It's, sometimes I conflate things, so that's why I ask the questions. Uh, trying to figure out where my brain should be. Uh, again, non-conference play against Albertus Magnus and then Colby and Bowden coming up. It's going to be nice to be home here for the next what will end up being actually four games. You'll finish out the month all at home. Uh, you've got to be happy with at least being able to do that. Um, most definitely. Um, I, I tell our guys the most impressive thing about being 14-1 and one right now is that we have only have had six home games. So, you know, we've done a great job of uh, winning games on the road against some pretty talented teams. Uh, along the way so um, you know again it's it, it will be good to have our home fans here and uh, you know playing two excellent teams uh, you know at the, at the start of the week uh, you know it, it's certainly going to be a challenge for us 
I don't know how important it is since then in the NESCAC recently, the conference tournament has been topsy-turvy to say the least. The top dog is not necessarily um, in the best position. And I know a few Baltimore Ravens fans who feel the same way. Uh, um, <laughs> is it, is it going to, would it be good to be at home for the tournament or as years have shown in the past, uh, that's not a determining factor? Uh, I don't think you would think that it would be uh, a huge advantage, but I, I think history has said that it isn't. Um, you know, we've won four NESCAC championships. We won the first one at home, and the last three that we've won uh, have all been on the road. And I believe at least the last five or six years, the home team has not won uh, the championship. So, yeah. uh, you know, the challenge for all of the NESCAC teams is just to make the tournament because three teams are left out and. Uh, you know, with the limited number of league games that we have, you can be four and six and not be eligible for the conference tournament. Um, so, you know, we just focus in on the regular season and trying to be the best uh, NESCAC team we can be and, and, and see where we're at at the end of the season. Well, Coach, appreciate all the time you gave us and uh, some of the insight you gave us on the team. Thanks so much for your time, as always. And as always, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, yes, Dave. Um, you know, we had a tremendous loss um, in July. Um, Russell Riley, uh, my volunteer assistant for the last 14 years, mm -hmm. uh, passed away in July. And he spent the last 14 years uh, as a volunteer assistant working with our big men, uh, working directly with Matt Folger and the other guys uh, th throughout that time. And it was really a big, big hit. Uh, Russ was um, the head basketball coach for 19 years before I arrived on campus. He was elevated to athletic director, uh, and he hired me uh, as the coach to replace him. Uh, a dear friend, a mentor. I uh, just love the guy. I know I miss him a ton, but uh, I think our guys really miss uh, Russ's voice and his uh, calm demeanor uh, to signify, you know, his value to us as a program. Uh, we have um, one of our T-shirts that uh, that Russ um, gave to all our big guys, and it read, good, better, best, never, ever rest till the good gets better and the better gets best. And uh, he was such a, a big influence in developing the culture that our program has, uh, you know, being with our guys for such a long time. Uh, so I just wanted to make mention and give uh, Russ credit for, you know, where our program is now and, you know, being a player on the national stage and his big impact for, for, for all of us. And uh, he's just really deeply missed. Well, well said. Uh, our condolences, obviously, to you guys and the entire uh, Middlebury family. And uh, we know he's missed. He certainly was a, a presence on the sideline. And uh, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to mention that. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. And uh, take care. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Jeff Brown joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Poignant words there at the end. Appreciate him doing that. Uh, of course, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software, is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blueframe's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you 
their way. They're also our broadcast partners providing our primary stream for this broadcast and allowing us to then restream out on simulcast to YouTube and Facebook as always. Uh, Middlebury, real quick, again, Albertus Magnus, Colby, Bowden at home, and Williams. They actually have one last game in January at, on the road. It's Trinity. It's part of the start of a three games on the road. Trinity, Con College, one weekend. The following weekend, they will take on Wesleyan. And then the following weekend in February, they're home against Tufts and Bates. So a lot ahead still for Middlebury, and we'll see how they do the rest of the way. Great to have Coach Brown on the show. We'll take another break. When we come back, we will talk top 25. What do we make of what will be yet another fascinating vote? I'll even give you my insight, even though I don't vote on the women's side. I'll give you my insight on how things may shake up there. I think there's a couple teams that are going to leapfrog their way into the women's ballot. You'll listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. College has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests, and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We believe that's working, though we haven't got a lot of emails from you folks. Um, you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we are simulcasting the show today. Of course, we're also simulcasting it on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. But, of course, our broadcast partners at Blue Frame Technology is where we are. And if you're watching the show on our T1 Sports app on Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, or Android devices, Thanks for taking the time to watch us, maybe on the big screen. Lots to talk about. We've talked about a lot, obviously, but now let's um, talk about one of the big teams in Division Three. certainly rising in the rankings to number two. It's the Tigers of Wittenberg, one of the now less and less undefeated teams in Division Three at 12-0. They're already 5-0 in NCAC competition. Coming up, they've got Hiram, Wabash, Worcester, and then Ohio Wesleyan. In other words, things are really ramping up. For the Tigers. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is their head coach, Matt Croce. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Happy New Year and congratulations on what has been a pretty tremendous season so far. Uh, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Hello, you Mr. McHugh. Oh, not count, well, anytime. Not counting the, um, the tournament. We're halfway through the season for you guys uh, at, at 12 games. But at the same time, we're now into the heavier part of the season. Not that the early part's fun and You know, I'm almost starting to, to feel NCAC, like we're getting a rhythm here. You know, I, I'm starting You're to feel like we're getting some clarity at the top of some conferences. Yeah, you know, and we're just, time of the year, you know, you know we're January, starting to see a lot of losses that are, are puzzling. Then, uh, We've seen that from day one. But, you know, Ryan, for me, I'm starting to feel like I have a better handle on who the best teams are now. How about you? You're probably the opposite. Like, you're totally blown away right now. Is that correct? No, actually, I feel like the results, especially from the CC. TIW and the, the WIAC sort of who you bore are, out what, what I was do, expecting for the most part. And things like that. Uh, so you really got to be on top of You know, it didn't mess up my ballot a whole lot this week. Games, um, uh, Ohio Northern certainly you know, a couple of those tight. teams Kenyan at the top losing shakes up tight. a little bit. But uh, for, the, for the most part, I'm, I'm starting to kind of say at the second go around in the conference yet. So nobody's seen you. 22 that feel pretty good. I see everybody's seen videos. I'm starting to feel like at least a solid top 15 and a pretty good idea maybe down. That you guys are seeing yourselves. You know, I, I don't know if you know we're surprised um, by that. I mean, I think we've got some good teams that we play. I think our <laughs> conference is deeper than it's ever been. You know, it's just it, it's been a great guys, season though from the great, standpoint we've talked about from day one, all the, the parity and stuff. Really but. Good. To, to Ryan's point, when you look at the top of some of the conferences, it's starting to shake out a little bit. The CCIW, I think, starting to become a little more clear. The WIAC's starting to become more clear. The NESCAC, I have no idea what to make of the NESCAC. 
And there's <laughs> several, several other leagues that are like that for me. But I think, you know, as we get here into the middle of January-ish, it is getting a little bit, uh, you know, more, more clear to me. Oh, I'm glad it's clearer to you. I really am. Because <laughs> it's not clear to me. That said, I had less movement last poll than I expected. I actually forced myself to pull a couple teams out of the poll to get teams I thought were deserving in. So um, I guess that could be a statement to that solidification. But I feel like when I look at results, and I not as I said at the top of the show, not only do I have losses in the top 25, I've got losses a, a plenty in the receiving votes category, and I've got lo- losses in my in my um watch list too no i'm not surprised there's losses but what i'm surprised by is i feel like i don't i can't shorten my list like i can't get to the point of saying oh yeah these are definitely the 30 teams i'm looking at. i think i feel like at some point in this part of the season we always get to about 30 i'm still at 40 i'm still at 45 teams whether they're on my ballot or not that i'm keeping an eye on i think that's where it's crazy yeah, I, I I feel like there's a number of teams with pretty good records that I think might be pretty good that, that maybe have some big conference games coming up or maybe you want to see them win a few more. Um, you know, there are a, a number of those teams that could end up in the poll, um, you know, over the next month or so that, that we just need to wait and see on. Um, Bob, uh, the other thing I notice is, uh, your CCIW is being less cooperative as always, uh, the YX being less cooperative as always, and the NESCAC had a bang of a first weekend just to add to the, to the fun. Is there any way we're, we're not going to have a weekend where we're not kind of mutilating ourselves in conferences? <laughs> well, I kind of think it's the opposite. Like I feel like in the CCIW, the preseason favorite was North Central, and they got off to a bad start to the season. But they're they're sitting at the top of the standings right now, five and one in the league, and Elmhurst is four and one, and Wheaton's three and one. So I think the CCIW is starting to kind of shake out the way we thought it would back in late October. I think the WIAC, although it's not the team we thought, um, Platteville to me has emerged as as and I don't know the word clear is the right word, but but the favorite at this point. You know they're three and zero. Oh, Lacrosse is two and one, Stevens Point two and one, and Oshkosh is two and one. But because Platteville won at Oshkosh, that road game to me kind of put the favorite tab on them. The NESCAC is the league that I think is the most jumbled. You know, I think you've got Colby at two and zero, Tufts at one and zero, Bates at one and zero. Everyone else is a loss, including teams we're voting for, like Middlebury, Amherst, and Hamilton. Those those teams all have losses. So I think the CCIW and the WIAC are becoming a little more clear. Yeah, I have the same thing. I was really worried that Oshkosh or Stevens Point would win this week and really muck up Wisconsin, right? But the fact that they both lost, we sort of um, were able to, to at least for me, kind of move them off uh, out of the way for the moment anyway, unless they come back and win a whole bunch more later on. Uh, by the way, I apologize, everybody. Turns out I was playing a little bit of the Wittenberg interview from Thursday's show as my audio. So some people didn't hear me too well. Don't worry, you didn't miss anything. Um, it was just me talking, and you really don't need to hear that. Um, we're fine. We've been fine for a little bit of time now. I just finally got an explanation on the whole mess. Uh, I got a question. I'm going to get to it in a moment on the WIAC. I, I just haven't been able to call it up as I was trying to dig into it. Um, but it, it. But here's my question to you guys before I call that one up in a general sense. Do Are we back to our top five conferences that we've been always used to saying it's – 
WIAC, it's CCIW, it's UAA, it's NESCAC, and it's ODAC? Uh, I would say I'd have to think about that a little bit. I think the WIAC and the CCIW are are the top two leagues this year. Um, I think the NESCAC is in the top five. I think the ODAC is probably in the top five. And who was that? Who was the fifth one? Was it the UAA? Yeah. I, I, I don't have the UAA in my top five right now just because I think they're in a mix. But I want to know who's the best team after Emory and WashU before I say the UAA is in the top five. I think there's some other conferences that could have a, a good claim to, to, to that. And, and look, I'm probably forgetting several other conferences, but I do think the UAA is kind of on the, the bubble. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, Ryan, where you're at the top five. I, I feel like those are the conferences that you can always expect there will be a contender amongst them, right? I don't know that that maybe they're as powerful as they once were, and I might include maybe the the – MIAC over the ODAC right now, just the the way things have gone the last few years. Um, you, you you just know you're going to have a national contender out of those out of those conferences, which is just not true of any other conference, really. You know, you've got great teams that sometimes are there and sometimes aren't, but uh, you'd be pretty consistent with those conferences. The league that I think has emerged as you know in the conversation in the last three seasons would be the the ARC, the the league that's primarily in Iowa, where you've got Nebraska Wesleyan that's been so good, and you know Loris has emerged, and this year you have Buena Vista that's having a wonderful season. Yes. So I, I think the ARC is one of the leagues. Uh, obviously, that the MIAC, as, as Ryan very accurately mentions, is in that conversation. So. Um, you know, there's there's probably seven or eight leagues we could argue for the, the top five. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and that's why I threw it out there. I think it's it's I mean, the ODAC I've always been back and forth with. I think the last few years it had been a little bit out of that conversation. I think it may have reemerged. I don't know just as of yet, but I do agree. I think the ARC has has gotten better and has certainly entered that equation. I think what Bunavis is doing is fascinating. I want to check in on that possibly in the near future. So um, that's why I asked you guys. Thanks. Um, here's a question I got, and, and it starts with an interesting um, question mark, I'll, I'll say. If Platteville men are the best team in the WIAC, if, okay, yeah, we're, nope. we're going to take that leap. Who is second, third, and fourth? How do you all stack up the next three at two and one? Oshkosh, Stevens Point, Lacrosse. Maybe even throw Eau Claire in if you want at one and two, but their home loss to an undersized stout team is troubling. Uh, we should point out Platteville's three and zero in conference, thirteen and one overall. Lacrosse is twelve and one overall, two and one in conference with Stevens Point and Oshkosh. Eau Claire is ten and four now, uh, one and two in conference play. Uh, by the way, Oshkosh eight and six on the season overall. So, how would you quickly take that, guys? If Platteville's number one, and I'm, I'm going to couch this by saying I don't even know if Platteville is the best team there, but I'm certainly voting them high. But anyway, you. Yeah, I would say um, for me, lacrosse, I, I feel like is got the best shot to finish number two if we think Platteville's number one. You know, look, uh, using one team, just one team that's played a phenomenal schedule, uh, Augustana. Lacrosse beat Augustana. Augustana beat Stevens Point. Uh, Oshkosh beat Augustana in, in, a, in a close game. I'm just kind of comparing how these games played out. I just think overall, lacrosse is, has had a really good season. And I think that they have all the pieces, but after Platteville, there's to me there's like a little tiny separation, and then Lacrosse, Stevens Point, Oshkosh, Eau Claire. I have no idea who's the best. To me, I I'm just guessing at this point. Ryan, do you have a magic ball? <laughs> you 
where you're looking at who the best tag team is after a plat belt. I love that. I mean, if if you're talking those those next three teams, the Lacrosse, Stevens Point, Oshkosh, I feel like it's a toss up. If you're if you're actually playing head to head in any of those games, depending where you are, um, you know, Lacrosse obviously has got the record, right? They've 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 got the best results so far. Um, Oshkosh is really talented and really experienced. We know that they're really good. Uh, Stevens Point maybe has struggled on the offensive end of things um, a little bit, but you know, going head to head in those games, it, it's really hard for me to choose one over another at this point. And the thing about Oshkosh is that, and we really haven't talked a lot about this, is that they lost a couple very key players um, here in the last like three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't pulled up their stats. I, I don't even want to mention the names because I don't want to be be wrong if for some reason these players have come back. But they lost a couple starters, as I understand, including including a guy that we saw last year in Fort Wayne that that's an absolute stud. So it's not it's not Fravert or Flynn, but it's one of the really key guys that I believe is gone. Again, I'm not saying names because I just don't. I want to make sure I'm right. But they're not the team that they were last year. And I think the season is playing that out. And, uh, you know, Ryan, I think we, we talked about that a lot coming in, like how good would Oshkosh be if they had all those guys and they were clicking, I thought that they were going to be a top five team, but they, they, they just don't have all those pieces and it's just not quite the same this year, you know? Yeah. And, and that's something that coaches bring up all the time is, is you feel like you can replace maybe the production of guys who graduate, but the intangible part of that, the leadership, the, the things that we don't always notice in the stat sheet is is much harder to replace. And I think that's what Oshkosh is dealing with. Um, I was going to bring it up, too. We can say Connor Duax is, is the name. He's not on their roster. So I assume it's safe to say that he's not playing with them right now. Um, and and that makes a difference. You know, they weren't incredibly deep. Um, you know, you graduate two guys and once one or two start going down, um, that, that makes it more difficult, especially in a conference like the one they're in. Uh, good points uh, across the board. I actually have lacrosse higher in my poll than I have Platteville. I thought what they've been doing that's, of late. That's that's wrong, Dave. It's, okay. It's wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't influence me. Uh, <laughs> um, so I that's why I couch the Platteville part of it if they're number one. Yeah. And, and I don't have any other UW teams at this point in there. I I think I'm not fully sold yet on Stevens point. I, I need to see more. The fact that lacrosse seems to have their number is fascinating at this point. Ken Durbach. I, I joked with uh, the lacrosse women's coach earlier in the show. Uh, if Bob Semling had his way, I don't think lacrosse would be on their schedule anymore. Um, and Oshkosh, Bob, you, you, and well, you Ryan too kind of nailed why I'm not buying in yet. So there'd be max at this point, a third team. Eau Claire, it's kind of a wait and see, but one and two in conference is going to make me wait. So I think it's an interesting question. I'm just, I'm not fully bought in as it were. Um, with that, let's move into our top 25 before we get to how this influences everybody later. Um, we have our usual three um, categories. And as always, I always forget what one of them's title is. We have the deep dive, which is a team normally that's not receiving votes, but with so many teams receiving votes, really it's a team that's barely receiving votes or not receiving votes that we are, we are kind of, um, that we think should maybe be considered. Um, then there's the debatable, a team that we debate whether where they're ranked or should they be ranked, et cetera. And then the third name I always forget, Ryan, is? 
Dubious? Dubious. The one that's way too high in our opinions. <clears throat> or at least maybe out of position is a better way of saying that. Um, who wants to go first and which... I'll, I'll literally throw this up in the air. Who wants to go first and with which of the three? Like a draft. Uh, how, how about and Ryan's this? got a smirk on his face. I don't know if that's because I threw him a curveball or because we he's got a, a, a the, scary idea. We talked about our deep dive teams and kind of coordinated so we didn't uh, step on each other's toes. So I'll, I'll jump in on the deep dive. These All are right. teams that either are not getting votes or maybe just getting a small number of votes. But for me, my deep dive is going to the MIAA, and that's Albion. Uh, Albion is 11-2 and two right now. They're 2-0 in the MIAA, and this whole season we've been trying to figure out who the favorite is in the Michigan League, and I think we have one now. So Albion, again, their losses are both really good losses. So their losses are at Mount Union, which is right there in the top 25 picture, and at Marietta, which is in, a, in the top 10. So two good losses, and they have wins lately uh, versus Calvin and at Hope. Um, they also have a win against Baldwin-Wallace. Uh, they've got a win. I'm just trying to see if there's anyone else that jumps out. DePaul, you know, so-so. But to me, Albion is right now knocking on the door of the top 25. And I think we finally have an MIAA team that uh, that could be the favorite. And I'll quickly say, also considering what they've been dealing with this season, having a, a, a player on that team um, uh, unfortunately pass, uh, die. We, we're not going to get into the specifics, but I'm impressed with what – Jody May has been able to do with that squad or really what that squad's been able to do themselves. So yeah, good, good choice. Uh, Ryan, you're, you go ahead. So uh, you mentioned St. Joe's Connecticut earlier in the show and talked a little bit about them. So I, I'm going to go in a different direction, although I think that's a team to watch. They play Williams. So tell us a lot of what we need to know, I think, but uh, I also want to draw our attention to Utica, an uh, upstate New York there. Utica is 12 and two. Um, They've been winning uh, in their conference of late, but pretty well. You know, they beat Hartwick, Elmira, Sage. They also uh, went to Hamilton and won. You had uh, the coach, Sean, on uh, the other day. And uh, I feel like that's a team to be looking at. I'm not sure I'm quite ready to vote for them yet, but they're definitely one that we should be on the lookout for. I like that choice. Uh, Utica's a good one. I was going to go, and you guys heard me say this, in the East region as well for a team in Hobart. I, I do like what Hobart has as a resume. I'm not thrilled by it. The loss to Brockport's not a bad loss. Um, they beat Ithaca this weekend. I like that. They also beat RIT. I, I, I'm pumping the brakes, though, on that because Tufts is the one that jumps out at me. They're barely getting any votes. Uh, they have two losses on the season to WPI, who isn't a bad team this year, and the Babson, the only thing that's worrisome about those, both were double digits. But they just beat Nichols and Wesleyan in back-to-back -back games, uh, both on the road. Um, and considering what Wesleyan did to beat Amherst, and this may be just the NESCAC destroying itself, I don't know. I'm intrigued with what Bob Sheldon's got going on there um, with the Jumbos. And, of course, everybody's winning in Tuffsland recently as well, by the way. Women's basketball is number one team in the country. Men's soccer has won four championships the last six. The men's basketball team might as well just jump on that train. Uh, they've got Suffolk ahead. This is an interesting choice this Wednesday. And then they'll get Hamilton this weekend along with Amherst all at home and then Bates. So uh, Tufts could be making a statement by next Monday, and I'm half tempted to put them into my top 25 this Monday. I think those are all three, you know, Utica, 
Hobart and Albion are all teams that you could put in your your ballot this week. I mean, these are these are teams. Again, this is where the poll. You know that when you're you're filling out your ballot, uh, we talked about the WIAC, the CCIW, whoever those teams are on the CCIW, we're not sure about. And the WIAC, they're somewhere in this conversation with these teams too. So you, do you go with a Utica or or do you go with a a Wheaton? You know, do you go with Lacrosse? Or do you go with Albion? Like these are tough decisions, and I don't know that there's any great, great answer there. I just know I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go. Um, so we did deep dive. Let's go dubious. Dubious next, Ryan. Why don't you start with your dubious choice? So I, I feel bad because I've brought them up in this category before. But looking through the top twenty-five, it's the only team that hasn't lost this week that I feel like I'm, I'm still a little unsure about. And that's Johns Hopkins. Um, you mentioned them again earlier, that performance against Washington college was not great. Sure. Um, they also struggled. I mean, the first 10 minutes against Dickinson was not what it should have been. Um, you know, and before that was the loss to Stevens. Um, I've seen them in person once. I think Connor Delaney is the, the best player in the mid Atlantic region this year. He's just phenomenal as a point guard. He can help them really far, but I, I just haven't seen enough out of the rest of the guys consistency wise. Um, they're getting these wins, uh, which is good. And I'm sure it'll help them, you know, come the end of the year, we look at, at pool C selections and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm just not super sold on this team as a consistent winner, especially against really good competition. I think it's. I think that's fair. I was a little disappointed in how Saturday turned out. I think it's a fair, fair argument, Bob. My dubious is the College of Worcester. Um, now they're not very deep into the poll. Where do we have them? About twenty, twenty-four. But I'm still having a hard time getting a handle on this Scots team because when I look at the resume, I'm not sure which win that I'm pointing to that that suggests that they are a top 25 team. Now, we can say that about a lot of teams, right, is there's no, like, signature win. Right. Worcester may or may not have that, but, you know, the Wabash win from earlier doesn't look as great because Wabash has struggled more than we thought they would this year. Worcester lost at Ohio Wesleyan. They lost to Mount Union at home. Uh, they beat DePaul on the road by two. Going on the road is always difficult. I'm sure that was a tough conference game. But um, in the in the, the big signature win where I was going here is they beat Whitworth, right? Now, they beat Whitworth at home by five points. But Whitworth was playing without, I believe, their starting, Ryan, help me out there. Point, point guard, second leading scorer, yeah. yeah so, like, their, Worcester's best win to me is a little bit uh, tarnished. And so, um, again, I'm not saying that Worcester shouldn't be in the top 25. I'm just saying, like, right now they're a team I'm looking at. I'm looking for the game against Wittenberg, which I believe is this Saturday. I'm really looking forward to seeing Wittenberg at Worcester. If Worcester is a top 25 team, they should they should win that game at home, even though Wittenberg is very, very good. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, but it is this Saturday. they got Oberlin first um, yeah. along the which way. Is, which is not a, not, not no. a team – that has been what we used to think Oberlin was, right? There, that's right. A, that's going to be a challenging one, especially with Wittenberg coming up at the end of the week. Right, exactly. No, no, uh, not an easy week ahead for Worcester. Uh, Bob, I think a valid arguments. Uh, I don't have my top twenty-five along along with much of the concerns that you had. Um, I, I know they're good, but is is their results more the results of other people not being as good? And and I agree with you there. Um, so I'll just. Ahead. 
mention before we move on, I, I'm voting for them, I think, for the first time this week. I decided to put them in near the, near the bottom of my poll. But one of the reasons, we have a number of these teams that are sort of like at two losses without a real signature win. But I do feel like the stretch that they went on, Allegheny, Wabash, St. John Fisher, Brockport, uh, maybe not Keene State this year, but then to Whitworth, um, maybe none of those are a, a top 25 caliber squad, but that run and winning all of those games is pretty impressive at this point and, and separates them a little bit. I agree with that. That was a really good run. For sure. yeah, yeah, good point. Um, so here's where I got the irony of this being as I feel bad. Uh, the team, one team I have, I'm actually voting for, but at the 25 slot and the other one I'm, I'm also voting for. Now I'm feeling like I missed something. So I didn't know where to go with this. Guilford is one. They've lost two in a row to Hamden City and then Farum before beating Bridgewater. And then it was Babson who I got stuck on. They've lost two of their last four, including to Springfield, but it got back on the road with WPI. My vo- point being with Guilford, maybe, maybe they're not as good as I thought they were and they shouldn't be a top 25 point. But I want to go with Babson because maybe Babson's too high. I, I, I still think they're a top 25 team, but they're sitting in the 14 spot. I've got them in the 13 spot, and I'm really uneasy. I know Springfield's good, and I don't want to necessarily say, oh, they, they should have won that game. I, I think Springfield's a good team. But it's just that there's something off about them. I can't put my finger on it. I know they got the win over WPI, which is going to absolutely destroy my ballot because um, I have WPI 14. So it's Babson WPI for me, and I got Springfield sitting down at 21. So it's for me, it's more of a question. Is Babson that good? Am I missing something? Because in my head right now, alarm bells are going off that I've got something completely wrong about the Beavers, and that must mean I also have something completely wrong about WPI, et cetera. So that's kind of where I'm going with my dubious, is, is I'm, I'm not understanding what I'm seeing. They had those those two games um, over New Year's, the Eastern Connecticut loss, and then beating Regis. They had some injuries there. Um, Springfield, they were back at full strength, but obviously that's a huge rivalry. Um, I would just say I'm not that concerned about it. I, I've watched okay. them play a few times. I think it's a really solid team when they're all together, as long as they stay healthy. Um, beating WPI was a big indicator for me. They went to WPI, they won that game, and they controlled it for most of the game. So that that was really helpful to me to to keep them where they are. Uh, and I really like both of those teams. I really like um, I like Springfield. I think they're one of the more underrated teams right now, sitting there at number twenty five. And I like Babson as well. So just talking about those two at the the new Mac that we have mentioned, I think those are both very good teams that that I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them made uh, made it into the Elite Eight this year. I think they're both really good. And that's I appreciate that because I would argue if if they had had a close game with WPI or lost that one, I'm throwing the parachute. There's Something's off. The WPI game is what's made everything in my head go, wait, what? Because they won that one more emphatically than I expected. I, a 12-point game, hard to maybe read into in a 93-81 game and – you know, it could have been closer than that, but it just raised questions for me. Um, and Guilford, I think I'm just going to put the finger on the fact that Tom Palumbo's got to stop playing his assistants, but he's got two in the conference, so he's kind of screwed, or his former players, I should say. Um, but Guilford had me a little bit nervous, too. So that's just kind of where I was on the dubious side. Um, deep dive. Oh, no, we did deep dive. Debatable. debatable. I don't have one because I had a feeling maybe both of you guys had debatable teams, and I figured maybe we'd just take a shot at both. So I just decided... 
why why make an effort and like I want to hear what you guys have. So I, I maybe can we can we actually debate two teams because this is what I was doing in my in my poll as I'm putting it together. I had one spot at number twenty five, and the two teams that I was considering were East Texas Baptist and Amherst. Amherst is absolutely killing me right now. Um, and so you have an East Texas Baptist team that has two losses. Uh, one is at Millsaps, which Millsaps is playing pretty well. It's a hard place to play. And then they've got uh, the two-point loss to Stevens Point at Texas Dallas over the holidays. Um, they don't have a super major win, but they've beaten lots of good teams. You know, the, they they went through this weekend beating Texas Dallas. They they you know they're playing a lot of the Southern teams, but looking really good doing it. And then you've got this Amherst squad. Right. They beat Middlebury this weekend, which sort of salvaged their chances. They would have definitely been out without that. But they don't really have any other signature win other than I mean, they beat Springfield when Springfield wasn't playing all that well. Um, and they don't really have anything else. And I don't really I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. The uh, the team that it's funny for my debatable in my my show prep. This is what my show prep looks like, folks. Uh, my debatable team was East Texas Baptist. So Ryan yeah. and they are on the same page. And I like their resume. Um, again, I think Millsaps, if you look at their resume, Millsaps is a very good resume. And they're a team that's in the Pool C conversation. They won at Millsaps. They beat Stevens Point, right? So Stevens Point, uh, we know that they're a very dangerous team. They're having a good year. They beat Stevens Point. Or I'm sorry, they lost they to lost. Stevens Point. They lost at the buzzer, right? Sorry about it. They lost at the buzzer. Um, but they, they did beat uh, – Texas Dallas has become kind of a barometer to me because I've watched them play so many times, both in person and on stream. And I thought that their win against Texas Dallas for me was like, hey, that's a big win and in the conference. And so I think I've got East Texas Baptist. I got a spot for them down at 24 or 25 or so. I think that they're I think they're in for me. Yeah. And, and Texas Dallas played well in that game. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Weber had 27. The team shot 54 percent. You know, that's uh, it's not that they hit Texas Dallas on an off night, too. That was that was the other part that was kind of impressive to me this week. Yeah, um, so just to, to clarify. So, yeah, the East Texas Baptist, they're, the, those two games I highlighted were losses, right, at Millsaps and Stevens Point. So right. the two two really good losses. Um, and, and that's the funny thing is because you're reading Stevens Point in one way. I'm not. I'm wondering if Stevens Point is a bit of smoke and mirrors. And, and I could be dead wrong. Um, I totally appreciate that. Um, but it's funny because because you see it as a good loss. I see it as a, well, if they were that good, they would have won that and not had a buzzer beater situation. Um, maybe I need to read more into it. I'm not knocking um, East Texas Baptist, may- by the way. I'm just saying how I read that result differently. Well, that's maybe why it's debatable, right? If they yes, won that absolutely. game, they're in, they're in no question. Right. If they... no, that's fair. Good point. <laughs> well, at least our three ballots. Yeah. Um, and, and your other was Amherst. And Amherst, I said at the beginning of the show, I mean, give me a break. So you get a loss to Wesleyan on Wednesday. You then defeat number three Middlebury at home, granted. And they've always beaten Middlebury, if you talk to Coach Brown, at home. But then you go and lose to Williams. At home, I know it's a rivalry game, but you're coming off of the win against Milber- Middlebury. You you can't lose to Williams. No, and I think if you look, I'm in the same place with Amherst. Like, to me, I'm trying to figure out what makes them a top 25 team outside of, of, of name brand and the Springfield win. And 
and then extend that a little bit. What does that make me feel about Middlebury? Middlebury lost, right, to Amherst. And I'm trying to hang my hat on some wins for Middlebury that suggest why they should be ranked number three. So the NESCAC in general, there's a lot of craziness there, like there, there is in many leagues. And I think Amherst sort of falling makes me question Middlebury a little bit now. They're kind well, of down by that loss. And this, I mean, obviously playing the single round robin is going to help when it comes pool C time, but it's going to be real hard for us voting because, you know, when you have a, a conference where you play everybody twice, that tells you something. You know, Colby is undefeated, but they haven't played a super tough schedule. Right. I feel like Middlebury has been underperforming so far. They're winning these games, so you can't fault them for that. But I haven't felt like they – I haven't had them in the top five in a while. You know, and then you have Amherst has played a weak schedule. I feel like Williams is playing as good as anybody, and they had such a bad start to the season. Right. Good point. Yeah, I, I, and that's – see, in my case, Ryan, if I was you, I'm not voting for Amherst. Because the week was too ridiculous if I'm in that situation. Um, but I can totally see where someone's going to have the flip point of view and going, well, you know, maybe we lower somebody else, but Amherst deserves to still be in that, that second echelon, as it were. But that, that's kind of what we're getting to, though, is in just looking at the, the current top 25, I think the teams that, that are really solid right now are Swarthmore and Wittenberg. And Randolph-Macon, even though they, they lost the game, St. Thomas, Emory, St. John's, Marietta, Platteville, Nebraska, Wesleyan, Elmhurst. I'm good up till that point. I'm good. I'm going to throw Wash U in there. Um, that's about the cut line. I'm going to put North Central also in my, like, I feel very good about list. Yeah, I, I don't. I probably just listed about 15 teams. To me, after that, when you start filling out your ballot down to 25, I mean, there's no way to have it. Perfect. You're going to have to make some calls on East Texas Baptist versus Amherst versus whoever, um, because after 15 or so, for me, it's very, very fuzzy. But to me, one to about 15 or 16 is becoming pretty clear. And the irony is I could have probably gone with Amherst with my dubious for the same argument. You know, they're sitting in the yeah. 15 spot and that just feels way too high. They've lost two this week, so some of those that feel oh, a little high yeah. are going to drop because of the losses that are happening. Yeah, and that's why this dubious is a little bit, it's a bit off on yeah. this um, on this evening because we do have the results coming back, but dubious on a Monday is hard too. Um, well, and that's why I picked Hopkins because there's a, I mean, there's a good chance yeah. they jump three or four spots and, and sure. uh, agreed. They're, they're going to start f floating a little higher maybe than they need to be. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you though. I know I'm going to probably be keeping them right where they are. I, I make a, a concerted effort that I, I think a team is at it. And Bob knows this well from a few years ago. If I think a team has hit its max of where I think they can be, even with what their schedule is coming up, if they go undefeated, if I think they've hit the top of the ceiling, I'm not moving them. And if it means people move ahead of them because I think they are better or they're proving to be better, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to leave the team bubbled out as it were, or sealed out. And, and I know it's some have gotten angry at me about that, but I, I don't want a team rising in my ballot too high simply because other teams are losing. Their resume still hasn't changed. Now, if it has, if all comes you know, to the point where everybody is losing and they're the only team winning, there's extenuating circumstances. But Bob knows that from a few years ago where I just like, nah, I got to keep them right where they are right now because there's nothing about this resume that tells me they should be higher. Um, Bob, did you have a debatable s selection? 
Um, well, my debatable is, is one that you talked about, which was, which was Guilford. You know, so my debatable, we probably don't need to go into it because you talked about them sure. in such detail. But um, I don't know if Guilford is the best team in the in Division Three or like number 50 because yeah. I just, right, they got, they got crushed at home by Emory, but then they won at Emory. Right. Uh, they beat Mary Harden Baylor, and I think they're good. They lost to Virginia Wesleyan, good loss. Um, they lost to Ferrum. Um, they're three and three in the ODAC. If you pull right. up the ODAC standings right now, you got to look pretty far down to find Guilford. Right. So um, is Guilford in my ballot this week? I have no idea. I got to figure that out. But they're they're my debatable on if they're a top twenty five team or not. They certainly have a great win at Emory. Yeah, I've got Guilford sitting at twenty five last week, and I think I've had them in that in that general area for a few weeks. And, and I'm going to pull the ripcord this time, just because I think they need to, as you said, rise in the conference and not show that three conference teams can knock them off. Um, and they haven't even gotten, yes, Virginia Wesleyan, Farum, and um, Hamden Sydney. I know two of those are former players, but I'm sorry, if you're really that good, that that's not a factor. Well, I, I think, and I, I think Ryan agrees with this, that the conference, conference games are a lot different than non-conference games. You know, like, Stuff happens in the non-conference. The teams know each other so well. You have you have more intensity, I believe. Maybe these games where Guilford's played a couple of the you know the former players, maybe that's got those the the Ferrum guys just extra juiced for their coach or something. You know, like I just believe non-conference games have to be looked at differently, and and the results of games often do not make sense in terms of what we look at going in like well they're supposed to win by eight points but they lost by six it just it happens in conference play and that's the the beauty of i guess college basketball true yeah it just i mean guilford is not a team that i was uh been super high on at all this year um so to me i mean it feels like they're maybe where i expected them to be um which is probably a little lower than maybe the voters did at the at this point but yeah i mean you lost by two at Hamden City, and then you lose by three at Ferrum. I mean, those are are uh, not not necessarily short drives either, right? And um, you know, doing those games in conference, close games on the road. Um, you know, if you, if you're prone to like this team, I don't, I wouldn't be too worried about those. Um, Ferrum's the closest of those drives, by the way. Right. Yeah, I realized that after I said it. <laughs> no, I was trying to think it through, and Hamden Sydney's only a little further away, so they're they're not the worst drives. No, you're right. I mean, it's not going to Randolph Macon, it's not going to Virginia Wesleyan. Um, right. Though Virginia Wesleyan's probably a little closer than I always give it credit for. Um, not that I should probably give this tweet earlier today, Bob. Uh, too much uh, uh, balloonage, <laughs> as it were. Um, but I, I do have to, with a little of my tongue firmly in my cheek ask how much influence do you have on the top 25 voting panel across division three? Well, yeah, I think, I think the gentleman wasn't happy with the, with the IWU guy, but the IWU last week told everyone not to vote for IWU. Yes. Or, I believe you did say that. Or Augustana, right? So I'm not doing a good job in my role, but look, <laughs> I get it. Hey, look, we're just, we're just three dudes that, that watch a lot of Division three games, and we get to do a top 25 ballot. And, and as part of that, we do our due diligence, and we watch a, a crap load of games, and we do our best. We rank them 1 to 25. We get it probably kind of close, and then we're wrong a little bit too. And, uh, you know, it, it's just the way it goes. There's no perfect science in a subjective poll. This isn't Massey. 
This isn't a computer thing. We all do our best. The, the top 25 is made up of media guys, SIDs, coaches, and we all watch as many games and try to do this and take it as seriously as we can, and uh, we get some right and some wrong. Though I didn't and, realize all three of us were SIDs either, by the way. <laughs> and, and I would just say, if we're just going to go by the numbers and the strength of schedule and the results, they don't need us, right? There right. are plenty of algorithms that work a lot better than any of us can figure out, right? We're, we're adding the human element to this. And it's not that you should ignore the Massey ratings and only follow ours or ignore ours and follow that. It's, it's different perspectives on things. And you can see games and we can take into account, you know, somebody who's injured or, you know, it's a particularly long road trip, right? That, that we can interpret these results um, in different ways that aren't quantifiable all the time. And, and that's useful, even if maybe you don't like it. <laughs> the other thing that I would just add it, it, in kind of this gentleman's points, he said, you need to get some people on from, from the West Coast. And, and, and look, I think Dave does an amazing job of mixing up his, his guests. In fact, wasn't the Whitworth head coach one of the guests already on, on the show this season? And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, Ryan has done a fantastic job of highlighting how good the Southern or the uh, the SCIAC is this year, and how how deep it is. Yeah, you should all be voting for Pomona. They're fantastic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Last week we talked a lot about Pomona. We talked about we've we've regularly you know been really high in Whitworth and Whitman. So you know I I think it, you you look at the show and you're like oh they're always talking about the same teams, but Ryan brings kind of a a East kind of perspective. I kind of bring like the the Midwest per- perspective. And we all do our best to bring perspective from the other regions that we're not in or follow. And we just, you know, we do our best to try to balance that out. Well, and I can't speak for Bob, but I know Ryan and I spend way too much time watching West Coast games because uh, we're both up late at night uh, watching those games. And I and I all three of our wives somehow still love us. And I'm still married to us, despite the crap load of games that we will watch. And, and at least in my point, my children are now watching these games because they want to with me, which this is this place is getting insane. And then last night at the Ravens game, I was reminded, you know, someone said, oh, I can't wait to build my man cave. And I chuckled. I'm like, huh, yeah, man cave. That'd be. Oh, wait. Oh, I have this studio. Yeah, I've got a man cave. OK, we're good. I got a TV. I can watch all the games I want. So. Uh, we're, we're lucky to have the wives and families that we have. Um, yeah, I mean, we're three guys out of 25 voters. And last I checked, I do not have any influence because if it were true, my ballot would match everybody else's ballots. That's the best part. Yeah. I haven't yeah. even blogged this year. No one's noticed that. I haven't even blogged my ballot this year. I haven't had time. Yeah, it, it, again, it's just uh, it, it's not a perfect science. But I do think... I do think in general that we, we, we do a pretty good job of identifying the up-and-coming teams as they're getting on the radar and the ones that are falling off the radar. And we'll continue to do that, and, and we'll continue to try to look across the whole landscape like we, like we do right now. Yeah, and, and to your point, thanks for the compliment. I, I do try and – if no one's figured it out on this show, we rotate G- regions. We have four per show starting from January on. We will rotate not only conferences in those regions, we will rotate genders in those regions so that we give everybody as much of a fair chance as we can. And then here's the real trick that I don't think anyone really appreciates. You will not see a repeat guest on this show until the end of the regular season. It sucks for the preseason number ones. That's the only time we talk to them. (laughs) I might need to put a small caveat for them in there. 
but that that's our way of trying to give as much of a of a of a landscape understanding. Could you imagine if we only talked to WIAC and CCIW teams every show? We'd be out of content halfway through the season. <laughs> um, gentlemen, any final thoughts before you either cast your ballots or try and influence those who are casting theirs? I would just say it's a good week this week. I'm looking for games that Swarthmore uh, has to compete in and could lose. And uh, Haverford, let's keep an eye Haverford. on Haverford. Haverford. I always get it wrong. Haverford. It's all right. Is, I feel better. <laughs> look, those are two tough ones. Haverford and oh, yeah. Swarthmore, right? So um, that's a good game. You got some good games in the WIAC and CCIW. Colby at Middlebury. That's a great game. Uh, Wittenberg at Worcester coming up Saturday. There's several others, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on a lot of great games this week. Ryan? Uh, I'll just say it again. You should all be voting for Pomona. Um, <laughs> I, I mean it. Like This is a really good basketball team. I don't team. disagree. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, they're just as, as good as a, a Babson. Or I think they could compete with Marietta, teams like that, that – they're they're really strong defensively. They're experienced and and just because they're on the West Coast and they unfortunately played a couple of too many non D three schools. But five, very good. Five. I think Ryan and I are responsible for all of Pomona's poll points right now because I also am pretty pretty high on Pomona and so that's very ironic. We got to send that to our our friend who doesn't like us on the West Coast. I I think there's a couple more than us. I think I think uh, there's more than just two people voting for them. So, for the record, the only yeah. reason I've pumped my brakes on them is the five non-division three games that they played. That there's it makes it difficult to appreciate who they are or aren't. And I also know they are in a win the AQ or you ain't going nowhere game um, because of those five games. Um, well. They haven't lost anyone in D3 yet, That's so they true. might look pretty good come pool C time if they keep that up. That's a, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, their at-large resume is going to be Pacific, Lewis Clark, and Lake Forest. Oh, I'm sorry, Gustavus so, as well. Gustavus that's also a tough, that's a different world out there, right? And, yeah. and like, you know, I've been to that Westmont NAI tournament three times with, with IW, and it's that the schools out there, the Biolas of the world and the Westmonts and Whoever else is, I don't know if there's the masters out there, but there's not the same division three options that you have in the middle of the country. So if you're looking to play a good team and get better, go play Westmont, you know, in Santa Barbara, that's a great game to play. So I think it's a, I know we don't like when they play five, nine D threes, but I get why they do it, I guess. Well, I, I mean, I understand that sometimes you got to fill your schedule. I just know there's other options, especially around Christmas time. Uh, where you can fill those in. Um, by the way, speaking of which, Skyac looks like a number of men's teams might end up at the D3Hoops.com Classic next year. I think maybe the message has been heard. And uh, some of them, I don't remember the list, so I don't remember if Pomona's on there. And maybe the, the one conference that's like a four-hour drive could, could maybe swing that? Is that the idea? Yes, yes, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm getting at. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the women's teams figured it out. Um, gentlemen, I've taken enough of your time. Thank you so much, as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, and uh, good luck on your ballots, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. And uh, take care and have a, have a fun week. Thanks, guys. See you. All right, take care, guys. That's Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Skype Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate them taking the time to do so. And um, appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us. The segment always goes longer than I want. We'll find a way to at least trim it down to keep it smooth. Um, but not too bad. On the women's side, before we let you go, because this is a really long segment, and I apologize now, 
Women's side, uh, a couple of things that jump out of me. First and foremost, Warburg lost to Loris. And here's the message I got from somebody. Um, fantastic game on the women's side. I think both teams are national champion contenders. We were without one of our starters. This is Warburg, by the way, which may have tipped the balance. But Loris is a really good team and really was in- emphasized. I see Whitman and George Fox play several games. And I've seen us play lacrosse twice in Baldwin Wallace. And Loris is way better than all of them. So this person indicating that maybe, just maybe, Loris women's team should be a little bit higher than they are at 19. They went undefeated with a, a smoking win over Buena Vista by 42 and beat Warburg by four. So Loris is going to jump. I, I'm no, I don't doubt that. I've seen a few other people on Twitter indicate that Loris should be higher, and I think that's going to happen. Um, Warburg losing to Loris, I think, will slide him out of the top five, but not very far. DePaul probably moves ahead of him. Whitewater probably moves ahead of them, especially with Whitewater's win over Stevens Point, 67-49, and then Stevens Point being lacrosse. Um, lacrosse went one and one on the week, losing to River Falls. So I think Whitewater may jump into your top five. Scranton at six lost to Elizabethtown. I got a note on that um, from somebody, but my point basically being is I told you Scranton I thought was a good team, but I don't think they were that good. I think they're a top 10. I think they're a 10-hole team at the best. Um, I like what they've got there. I coach Nick DePillo, remember, is still a new coach. He's kind of putting some new things in place. I don't think that Scranton team's a top five or a top six team. Uh, Elizabethtown clearly showed also that that landmark conference is not Scranton's just to walk away from. Really impressed by E Town's win there. Um, but we, we, I think Scranton's going to take a little bit of a hit there. George Fox, we mentioned on Thursday's show, lost to Pacific. At least they got the win over Pacific Lutheran 64 50. But George Fox is going to take a bit of a hit, maybe fall out of the top 10 as well. Augsburg lost to Bethel, and this is the other game that's jumping out at everybody. We got a tweet earlier. Bethel, one of five undefeated teams in Division Three, Eight of 13 wins have come away, um, away from home, two at neutral sites. Um, two top 25 wins in a span of four days, which is always pretty, pretty good. And second in the nation at 19.5 steals per game, though that – number can be a little bit inflated i'm not trying to say they don't i think bethel's a really good team and i'm surprised um that maybe they aren't higher on the poll the problem is the mayak has so many games in its schedule that it's sometimes hard to gauge that but they beat augsburg 74 70 they beat gustavus adolphus 74 58 the mayak is showing that even when st thomas is having an off year it's a darn good conference so i wouldn't be surprised if loris jumps in the top 10 possibly Bethel may jump into the top 10 as well, especially when you have losses to Warburg, Scranton, George Fox, Lacrosse, and Augsburg, granted by the hands of Bethel ahead of you. And hopefully voters see, hey, Bethel beat Augsburg. I'm going to move Bethel ahead of Augsburg. If you're voting them both in the top 25 and there's a win there, I think you have to move the team ahead. If it's a team that you lose to who's not in your top 25, not on your radar, I can understand not necessarily just jumping somebody ahead. But in a top 25 conversation, I think it's going to happen. But Gustavus Adolphus also lost, as we mentioned. Austin lost to Trinity, Texas, who's 21. DeSales lost again. They're now 9-4, and four, lost to Kings. They're probably out of the top 25 now. Uh, I think they've been a bit exposed. Messiah, we mentioned on Thursday, losing to Widener. They at least beat Arcadia, but they're probably out of the top 25. But those receiving votes aren't helping themselves. Oglethorpe will jump into the top 25 and maybe jump pretty high. They're 15-1 and one now, um, beating Suwannee in center this week. But Marymount lost to Cabrini on Saturday. Williams lost two of three, as good as a start as they had this season, at uh, 11-0. They went 1-2 this week, losing to WPI, beating Hamilton, and then losing to Amherst. 
The Amherst game was tight, but I don't think you can just jump Williams into your top 25 as a result of that. Uh, Widener uh, defeated Messiah, looked great, but then lost to Stevenson by 10. It's almost like it was a trap game for the Pride after their win over Messiah. Stevenson's a good team. Yeah, certainly. They're a well-coached team. But if Widener is as good to beat Messiah, they need to beat Stevenson, even if it is on the road. Emery and Henry, as we mentioned, lost to Roanoke. They beat Randolph, but that's not going to help voters. Um, Albright played its one game. They'll probably jump into the top 25 now. They beat Lycoming, though it was in overtime. I don't know how everybody's going to interpret that. Brandeis, great start to the season, but a loss to NYU. That's got to sting a little bit for Brandeis. I think they, they knew they had a chance there, though, on the road. They lost that 176-65. Gettysburg, looking pretty good. Uh, got the win over Haverford. That was the big centennial game of the week in the women's side of things. That's Haverford's first loss in conference. It was a tight game by five. That's a solid win by Gettysburg, and I think that's enough to get into the top 25, in my opinion. Smith, who was receiving votes, we mentioned on Thursday, lost to Springfield, at least beat Dean. That it wasn't much of a game, but it's not going to get them into the top 25. Albion women, maybe they get into the top 25 um, with wins over Adrian and Olivet, though that's not where everybody, the voters are going to be looking. The voters are going to be looking at Hope games and Calvin games. And then at the bottom of that, there's nobody's going to help here. Ohio Northern lost to Muskegon. North Park lost to Illinois Wesleyan earlier in the week. Uh, Puget Sound lost both games to Pacific and Linfield, so they're now 7-6, and six, and Wash U lost to Chicago, who did now be at 7-5. and five. So the women's one, I think, has got a lot of upheaval coming, too. Uh, I read a – I don't know if I'm going to find the tweet now. Um, I saw it earlier, and I bet – I'm not going to be able to find it now. But you know, basically the point being that certainly there's a chance – oh, here it is. I expect a big shakeup in the women's top 25, big mover of the week, Bethel, who remained undefeated with wins over number 11 and number 17. This person's top 25 was Tufts, Bowden, Hope, Amherst, DePaul, Whitewater, Bethel, Loris, Wartburg, Whitman. Interesting grouping there. I agree with some of those. Whitman at 10 is an interesting choice. Where are they? Whitman is 12. Yeah, okay, I can buy that. I can buy that. Sorry, I had to double check where Whitman was. So there you go, folks. I'm trying to make sure. I thought I saw another question pop up. I, I We're so late here. Um Mike says, love your show. Sounds like either you, Bob, or Ryan on a cell phone that's getting text may need to silence during the show distracting. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Mike. My phone's on vibrate, and I wasn't getting alerts. Um, so it wasn't my phone, and I didn't hear any cell phones coming from those two. So I don't think it was on our end. I would have heard the cell phone through my system if it was them getting messages. So I'm not sure where that is. Maybe it was your computer? I, I don't know. I can certainly look into it, but um, I didn't see either of them distracted. And like I said, mine's sitting to my side, but on vibrate. So you wouldn't have heard them those messages either. So a little odd. I didn't hear any messages coming in whatsoever. So I'm sorry if it was distracting to you, but I don't, I'm not positive it was us. That's going to do it, folks. We're going to wrap up. I want to thank our guests. We're way past our time here, and I, we got to somehow trim this down. And we can't be going an hour for our final segment. That's not fair to you guys uh, who no, might want breaks in our show as well. Um, I want to thank our guests, of course, Demetrius Poles at Rowan Women's Basketball. I want to thank uh, Karen Middleton, the women's basketball coach at Wisconsin Lacrosse. Also, thanks to um, Jeff Brown. Sorry, you got brand new glasses in the last few weeks, and they just don't fit me quite right. I got to get them fixed. Uh, Jeff Brown at Middlebury for his assistant uh, coming on the show as well, and of course, the uh, sports information directors at those aforementioned schools. Um, Brad Nadeau at Middlebury really appreciate his help. David Johnson 
at Wisconsin Lacrosse and Sheila Stevenson at Rowan for their help getting us content, getting our coaches lined up if necessary, and of course, uh, helping us promote the show as well. We'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Again, you can listen to the show any way you want, especially on the podcast. We're now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, if you happen to use CastBox, we're on CastBox. We're on, uh, I think it's Radio Public is the name. I don't, yeah, it's Radio Public. I don't know the logo all that well. We're also on TuneIn, and there's several others coming. We're trying to blanket it with a podcast. We've noticed the podcast is very popular. The video is very popular as well. You can watch simulcasts on Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and uh, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. But uh, more importantly, you can watch the show on demand on your Roku app, especially um if uh that intrigues you as it were um you can watch it on team one sports is the app team one sports at the bottom of your screen there through blue frame technology it's the apple tv roku app android tv and amazon fire that's how you can watch our show and we hope you'll take full advantage of that because that way you can watch it on your big screen you can also watch these shows on demand too so that's another added bonus for you along the way and that shall do it, as it were. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, thanks, Mark, for the kind words. Appreciate it, as always. Um, let's see. Double-checking. Nope, nothing else. Uh, we'll be back on the air Thursday. Reminder, Thursday we'll be talking about the East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions primarily. Plus, we'll have our WBCA Center Court segment. Lots to talk about. We'll try and get Gordon on sometime soon. Also, keep on your calendar the Hoopsville Marathon. It's going to be a little bit earlier than it traditionally would be. Normally, it's the Thursday before the regional rankings are released. This year, it's going to be still in the same spot on the calendar, just the regional rankings will come out uh, two weeks later. But January 30th is scheduled time, probably a 12 o'clock start Eastern time on that. We'll have more information on that in the week and so ahead. So you've been listening to Hoopsville. We want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, which, of course, Coach Jeff, Mer Middle, uh, Jeff Brown of Middlebury was in our NABC Coaches Corner this week. Also want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology, sponsors of our hotline, and providing us the streaming platform. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios, all Questions and re-airings of the show must come on the express permission of ourselves. So please get in touch with us at DMAC Productions for that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. Enjoy the week of D3 Basketball Ahead. Got new top 25s coming out on Monday evening. Should be a, a revealing idea of where we think top teams are as we head into the middle of January. Good night, everybody. <laughs>